Welcome back to the Exotic Pet Collective. My name is Richard, and we've got a very interesting guest today, all the way from the United Kingdom. I want to give a quick shout out to the sponsor of today's video, Zilla Footwear. Zilla Footwear provides cool, creative shoes for lovers of exotic pets. All their high and low top shoes are made from full canvas, double-sided print with rounded toe construction and lace-up closure for a snug fit. Inside is a layer of soft textile lining with lightweight construction for maximum comfort and a high-quality EVA outsole for traction and exceptional durability. Now, they sent me a pair of their tarantula high top shoes in black and I really love wearing them. But they also have a lot of different patterns from frogs to snakes, geckos to turtles, and all kinds of other reptiles and exotic pets. So use the affiliate link in the description and pinned comment under this video and get yourself a pair. There is also free shipping for all orders over $120 and they ship worldwide. So it doesn't matter where you are in the world, you can get yourself a pair of these unique and comfortable sneakers. This is Fiona from the Spare Room. Say hello, everyone. Hey! Thank you so much for uh, for coming on the podcast. Um, it, it was actually I, I moved. I think I made a post in Instagram on Instagram asking people, you know, who would you like to see on the podcast? What guests would you be interested in hearing from? And there was an overwhelming demand for the spare room. I kept seeing you tagged over and over and over again. I was like, all right, well, I guess we're gonna have to invite her on. That was cool, yeah. That was cool. <laughs> what was that all about? Did you know those people or was it just people just were really excited about your content? I think I knew I knew some of them. I yeah. didn't know all of them though. It was really like humbling. I was like, wow, this <laughs> yeah. is so cool. Yeah. I thought it was pretty cool too. I was like, we definitely got to get her on. <laughs> or we. I say, I refer to myself as we a lot and, I, and it confuses people because I think I have like this whole team. They'll leave a comment on a YouTube video or something like, you guys are doing just such a great job. I'm like, God, there's there's no one here. Why do you think that there's, I have a team. I'm like, well, I keep referring to myself as we. So, but yes. Me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, just for anybody listening that may not be completely familiar with who you are, can you just kind of introduce yourself? Tell us where you're from, what you do, all that fun stuff. Yeah, so I'm Fiona from The Spare Room. I started um, with tarantulas. I've gone into reptiles and exotics, but my passion in the hobby is education and getting rid of fear of tarantulas. Education. So where do you, where do you, oh, I'm, I'm not even there. Where do you make content mostly? What do I make content mostly? I mean, like what platform are you? I, mean, oh, I, I know you're from Instagram, but where, I mean, where can people find you? Yeah, so I'm at the underscore spare underscore room underscore on Instagram. Um, I also have an, a YouTube channel, which you can find linked in my bio. But um, Instagram is like my main uh, platform, I guess. And on Instagram, are you just like posting photos or are you doing reels, stories, Instagram yeah. TV? Like what, what are you utilizing there? I do a bit of everything. So um I try and do like one reel a day, try and make that exciting. But um, I've tried to make my posts a bit more like engaging and educational recently. So yeah, that's what we've been doing, a bit of everything. Right on. Um, and when you say educational, uh, mm -hmm. can you maybe describe like what kind of education you're doing? So when I first got into the hobby, there wasn't like a great deal of um practical experience that was out there so I could do like research and read care sheets and things like that which is why I ended up on YouTube watching people like yourself and Kat and Petco to kind of learn how to do things and I suppose I just want to add <clears throat> sorry I just want to add a voice to that that crowd um a helpful one um because often 
you know, you find in Facebook groups and things like that can be a bit toxic when people are asking like basic questions. So I just want to help that. Yeah. That's, that's one of the most frustrating things about mm-hmm. hobbies. how, and it's not just a tarantula hobby. It's, it's worse sometimes than other, other hobbies, other pets. Mm-hmm. But you hear almost everybody that comes on the podcast talks about how toxic Facebook <laughs> can be and, you know, some mm-hmm. of the other uh, message boards and, and things of that nature. And it seems yes, like well. we have, we all have so much in common, you know, and, and it's such a, a niche hobby that we're such a small group of people that we would be more supportive of each other instead of trying to tear each other down. But, you yeah. know, it, it, it sometimes it just kind of seems like a competition, you know, to see who knows the most and, God forbid you make a mistake or say yeah. misspeak. Yeah, people are going to come at you. Like I just put out a video about anatomy of a tarantula. And like, I even have the little book right here on my desk. Cause I was, I just edited the video yesterday, but it has like all the, the, the body structure of the tarantula and all the different parts of the legs. And I was kind of using this as reference. And uh, so it goes like um, the metatarsis, the tarsus and the tibula, tibula. I think that's mm-hmm. what it is. And then when I originally recorded, that's what I said, but then I looked at it and actually the way it's spelled on this is T-I-B-T-A. And I was like, Tibta, that doesn't sound right, but <laughs> these are scientists that made this. So maybe I've been saying it wrong this whole time. So I've like record, I re-recorded it to say Tibta. Mm. I should have done Please. more research, but then like, I put the video out and everybody's leaving comments. It's Tibla. It's an yeah, L. It's an I, not a T. <laughs> I was like, well, maybe my eyes are going bad. So I got a little magnifying glass. I was like, no, that's definitely a T. So it was a, it was a, it was just a spelling error on the, on the book. Yeah. But then I, yeah. you know, perpetrated that. I made it worse by making a video using that error. So it is kind of frustrating. It's difficult but, though. If that's your research and, you know, it's from a trustworthy source, you expect it to be right, don't you? Yeah. And I just, for, for so long, I have said tibia and it was, and I just, I, it was my bad because I questioned myself. I was like, oh crap, I've been saying it wrong this entire time. And, Turns out they are the ones that made the mistake. And, it, and honestly, I should have double, I should have looked online and, and double checked that instead of just assuming. But, you know, I was like, I was recording a video and was limited amount of time. I was like, I just got to get this done and get it edited because it's like Monday afternoon and I got to have this up by Tuesday morning. And yeah. so I was like, yeah, we'll just go with it. Um, <laughs> but sometimes it's good. Like you make a small mistake like that. I mean, it's not detrimental. Nobody's going to kill their tarantula because they said, Tibta instead of tibia, you know, it's like well, it's some people will have you think it's that bad. Yeah. <laughs> but as for one of the pieces of advice I got from this YouTube creator once was like, if you make a mistake, like a stupid mistake, instead of going back and like, you know, taking the video down and losing all those views and like re-editing it with that right word pronounced correctly or spelled correctly, just leave it up because it's not going to harm anybody. Most people will see, oh, that was a, uh, you know, a dumb error. They're not going to care, but the people that do care are going to leave comments and start up conversations and increase your engagement. It's like they yeah, probably wouldn't have left a comment, but man, they're going to love to point out your mispronunciation or your misspelling and yeah. it's actually going to help the video. So it's like, all right, it's a dumb <laughs> mistake and it's embarrassing, but I'm, I'm going to leave it. <laughs> Let it go. I think it makes you more relatable as well. Like no one comes into the hobby with all the knowledge yeah. in the world. Yeah. And, and I try to tell people all the time, like, I, I did not go to school. I went to school for sociology and uh, psychology, philosophy, really. It was what I wanted to study, but I was like, there's no jobs in that. So it's like, I mean, I, I swerved science and math. Like, <laughs> it's like, what degree can I work towards where I have to do the very least amount? I even cheated. I didn't cheat, but uh, we, I went to school. I don't know how it is in the UK, but most schools have like a, a spring and a fall semester. 
Mm-hmm. And where I went was in South Dakota where it would snow a whole lot, like in, you know, December, January, and February. So we had like the fall semester and then the spring semester didn't start until like March. Uh, but if you were living on campus, they did a six week, it was like pretty much January and, and the first few weeks of February. And it was like the, the winter break where you could take one class for like four hours a day, three days a week or something like that. Maybe it was like five hours. It was intense, but I, I, they had an environmental science and I needed a science credit. So I was like, I'll do that. Do yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll do environmental science when nobody can go outside because there's two feet of snow on the ground. <laughs> it, was, it was, I mean, it was, it, it was known like if you have a hard science or a hard math class or something like that's the time to do it because the professors don't really care. There's not many people there. It's like, Take get the pass. credit and go. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Don't blame you. Yeah. So you said you, uh, how, how long have you been in the hobby? When did you get your first tarantula? Um, only a year and a half. A year and a half? My, yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I got my first one, which was a curly hair, of course, um, in January 2021. But I've kept spiders sort of like my whole life. So I um, sort of built that knowledge. And then I think I spent about six to eight months before I got my first tarantula of just like doing research and making sure I can care for them and all of that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. And where exactly? I mean, you don't have to like tell me your address, but where exactly in, uh, is it, do you prefer, be referred to as England or the United Kingdom or I'm kind of so dumb. Don't, I don't live in England. You don't? Where um, do you live? I live in Wales. So. Oh, geez. I'm showing my ignorance. <laughs> um, yeah. So I live in the UK. I live in Cardiff, which is the capital of Wales. So it's the, the bit on the side of the UK is Wales. Gotcha. Hmm. And that's where I am. I think it was Arachnatube. I had Garon. I think he's in Wales. And I kept yeah. referring to as England. And he was like, no, it's not <laughs> the same place. Honestly, I want to like flip this table. <laughs> <laughs> like, give me a break. I'm a, I'm a dumb American. <laughs> I'll allow it. All right. Thank you. Um, so you're in Wales. And what's the weather like? Like, is it, I, I get a lot of comments. The reason I'm asking is because, you know, I'm, I'm make a comment about how, uh, like, especially in a husbandry video, um, Mm -hmm. you know, like don't put a heat lamp on your tarantula because it could dehydrate them or something like that. And then it seems like people, you know, in the UK, especially like Scotland and places like that, which I I don't, you know what I mean? Like in Europe, especially the Northern countries are like, it Mm -hmm. gets so cold here. And, you know, in our house, it's like 60 degrees in the winter or something like that. And Mm -hmm. I mean, do you run into problems like that? Or is that more just like an individual issue? I don't because I, so I heat the whole room. Mm-hmm. So when I first got into the hobby, I did use heat mats and things like that. And I think I have nothing against it if they're on a thermostat and things like that, but I, I heat the whole room. And luckily I'm in sort of like a place that, that is, doesn't ever get freezing cold. Um, I can understand why people do it up in like the Northern parts of Scotland and things yeah. like that. But generally it's, pretty normal and in Wales we're quite lucky um I can't do a conversion of temperature but like a standard day here is like 16 degrees okay I don't know what that is in American it's 60 yeah apparently yeah so it's like a normal day here okay right on Expand your knowledge if you're if you're mainly just a tarantula keeper. 
uh, kind of introduce yourself to some other types of very cool exotic pets out there. And a cool way to do that is uh, actually with the sponsor of today's podcast. But who, who are they? That's who you're asking. It's, uh, it's, it's our friends over at Arthropods Ambassadors. Now, if you're not familiar with Arthropod Ambassadors, uh, you should be. I feel like I've talked about them a whole lot uh, and, and I'm going to continue talking about them because they're just really nice people. And they are over on the West Coast uh, here in the United States. And their aim is to support others interested in bugs and the well-being of arthropods around the world. So they do a lot of education. They also do some breeding. They also do some selling. They, they, they go and do presentations at all kinds of different events, whether they're expos or, uh, you know, school events or, you know, they're, they're very outgoing. They're out in the public. They're trying to connect people with invertebrates and arthropods and raise awareness and, and education and, and get more people to care about them. So they, they they work through spreading education. They use resin art. Uh, they have a mo- mobile bug zoo. They've got informational YouTube videos, so you can subscribe to them on YouTube at Arthropod Ambassadors. And uh, they even got a new line of stickers and pins and other cool merchandise that, that are featuring like mantises and isopods and roaches and, and cool things like that. So from compost enhancing roly-polies to alien-like top predator mantises, arthropods come in all shapes and sizes and are waiting to teach us more about the earth we all have in common. So that, that is like their mission statement, their goal. So if you're looking for a mantis, a jumping spider, some isopods, roaches, assassin bugs, uh, even some spiders. I think they had some tarantulas there for a little bit. Uh, just head over to arthropodambassadors.com. Check out what species that they have available. And you can also find some really helpful care videos. You know, be sure to check out their YouTube channel. Now, you can also follow them on Instagram. They're posting some cool pictures up there. You can send them messages if you need to get in contact with them. They're on Facebook. So, you know, you can follow them on whatever social media platform that you're on. You know, just stay up to date with all their new content as well as any new species they may have available for sale. So, you know, huge thank you to Arthropod Ambassadors for supporting uh, the the podcast here and just being overall generally really nice and helpful and cool people. So, you know, they're supporting us. We should support them. Be sure to check out their website, arthropodambassadors.com. I will have all their social media and website linked down below in the description. If you're watching this on YouTube, if you're listening to it, check the show notes. I'll have links there as well. So thank you, Arthropod Ambassadors. Anytime somebody asks that, I'm like, you know, go check out some of the the people that are making YouTube videos that live in your area. Like, they, they probably have some insight that I don't have because I'm not from there. Yeah, <laughs> like I, makes sense. Yeah, like, same if you lived in India and you're asking me how you should, you know, what it's like, I can only tell you what I know, like what I do. Mm-hmm. I, I can't put myself in your position. I don't, I don't know what it's like living. I don't know what the environment is, I guess. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, no, I know what you mean. I get a lot of like questions about husbandry and things, especially for colder climates. And I feel bad giving advice on that because if it's wrong, I've got no practical experience. And I don't want to yeah. give the wrong advice. It's one of the things I always try and it reminds me of this movie um, with Al Pacino. What was it called? Oh, geez. That's a, I think it was, was it the devil, the devil's advocate. I think that's what it was. Keanu Reeves and Al Pacino. Um, mm-hmm. and one of the one of his lines was like uh he, he said like the best advice is advice and i was like and, and that's <laughs> something i've kind of internalized like giving people advice is is you know it, one it, it removes any accountability for them making their own decisions because like well i was just listening to what he told me to do uh and it also mm-hmm. removes like their ability to think <laughs> for themselves um yeah but it also it's like you know it, it's kind of a, a cop-out 
for me, you know, because a lot of, I know a lot of times people give advice they don't take themselves. You know, it's like, well, this is what you should do. Yeah. It's not what I do, but I, I'm telling you, this is what you should do. So that's <laughs> why like, I always try to be, I'm going to share my experience and then you can take what applies, uh, you know, to your situation if you want, but I'm not going to tell you what to do. I just tell you what I do. And yeah, it's a lot yeah, better that way. Um, I think people assume that once you've got like a nice little following on some platform that you are like the center of all knowledge. And, you know, I, I say to people all the time, like, I just have no experience with this. I can't give you any advice. And it's like, they're shocked. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. I know what you mean. Like people ask me a lot, uh, some new species comes out. It's not even in the United States yet. It's just over there in Europe. And people are like, can you do a husbandry video on this? I'm like, no, I've never get yeah. that species or. And there are some species that I have that people want, you know, like, oh, we saw you just got, you know, this, this species. We do care and husbandry video on it. It's like, I, I haven't had it long enough to develop any experience. Like, I could make mm-hmm. one and tell you what I'm doing, but then a couple of months later, it could die. And then it's like, what do I do then? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I just gave yeah, no. thousands of people really bad advice. Yeah. So, yeah. And I think it's important for people like us to be honest about that because I think, I think, uh, sort of animals get a bad rap anyway for being, you know, deadly, dangerous and all that rubbish. Um, and I just think having people like us that want to give good sound advice, just, yeah. I think it brings more people in, makes it a better place to be. Yeah. Yeah. That's why, that's one of the cool things about this whole little hobby, this little niche that we've got going is for a long time, it was like the people kept tarantulas, but there wasn't a whole lot of content out there. And, you know, I've heard some people, especially in the past six months or a year, almost complaining about how much content. Like, there's so many people starting YouTube channels and, and, you know, Instagrams and stuff like that. It's, it's like, uh, oversaturating the market or something. <laughs> kind of like that mm-hmm. kind of mindset. I'm like, no, the, the more, the better. Like, that's, you know, we could have 10 times as many creators out there, people putting the word out. And, yeah. inevitably, like, all that's going to do is help grow the hobby. Like, it's not like, uh, you know, it's, it's gold or something like people's attention is not a finite resource that, you know, is going to make it more and more difficult. The more people are out there. I, I think that the more content is getting pushed out there, the more it's people are going to be exposed to it and mm. on into the hobby, which, you know, is, yeah. is kind of good all around. Yeah, um, no, I definitely agree. And I think as well, like I started my YouTube channel cause I felt a lot of pressure to you have to on YouTube, you have to do this, that and the other. And I found along the way that I just really enjoy Instagram and I enjoy communicating on there. And I think it's just so great to have like different people in different sort of platforms and stuff. Like I've got friends who are very well known on TikTok, for example, but I, I don't really use it. And it's just nice to have us sort of like everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And that's something like a challenge I've been running into is, you know, trying to diversify platforms. You know, it's like mm-hmm. I started on Instagram, kind of moved over to Facebook the, and then YouTube. And then that became like the biggest platform for me. But yeah. I'm also trying to like maintain those as well as establish a, you know, a presence on Twitter and Reddit and TikTok. And it's too much. It's like, you know, it's kind of like I, I got to pick one. And yeah. so like that's, I've kind of like picked YouTube. That, that's what I'm going to do. And then that content I'll kind of, uh, re-edit or something like that to distribute yeah. on those, but I'm not really creating content specifically. Sometimes for mm-hmm. Instagram, I'll record reels, but like I'll put a reel on Instagram and it'll get like 20,000 views within a few days. And I'll post at the exact same time, that exact same reel on TikTok and it gets like 2,000 views. It's just, yeah. And yeah. So I just can't, can't 
get in. I just can't break through on TikTok for some reason. No, I don't, I don't get it either. Like, it's just when I sit down and think about how much I could, could do. Yeah. It's just, it's too much, too much. But I just think focusing on what, what you enjoy is the best thing. Like you're obviously really, really great at YouTube. Like your videos are like the sim- cinematography is wild. That's what you love. And I think that's great that you're focusing there. Yeah. And I love Instagram. This is what I like doing. Yeah. And and I, I, that's the point I was trying to get to though, is that, is that I think it's important uh, that everybody kind of has their own little comfort zone, you know, like yeah. the fact that you're out there making content, you know, mainly specifically for Instagram, like that's where you're, you're focusing your attention, I think is important because like, I'm not able to do that really. And I know a lot of other creators, you know, I know some guys that um, just make pretty much content for TikTok. You know, they have like no followers on Facebook for the most part, but hundreds of thousands of followers on TikTok, you know, and it's like, yeah. it's good that they're there representing and, you know, kind of getting the word out to people. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I love that. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Um, so there was, I don't, I don't exactly know how to, how to ask this correctly. <laughs> so you're, you're kind of new to keeping tarantulas. Uh, you said mm-hmm. you've been doing a year and a half or so. This is going to, I, I, I just worry sometimes when I ask questions for people in other countries, it's just going to come across offensive, but, um, no, go on. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like the UK is a, a much smaller area than you know like the united states for instance you know like I, it is yeah friends with nate but he's in california and that's like a 24-hour drive i'm not gonna go see him or we're not gonna like show up at the same pet store or something like that yeah but there seems like it's a smaller area but it there's mm-hmm. it seems like the there's a higher percentage of people that keep tarantulas as pets over there so yeah and or maybe it just appears that way because so many of them are creating content on all these different platforms like do you have you ever met any of the other tarantula YouTubers, TikTokers, Instagrammers? Um, mm-hmm. Like, do you have friendships? Do you see them or anything like that? Yeah, yeah. Like, um, so the, I think why the UK co- the scene is so like alive with content is because there. I don't think there is one single person from the UK that is currently really active and well known um, and obviously people always searching for content that is more relatable to them so I think that's what's made this boom in UK um, content available which is really nice but the good thing about the UK is like the, the scene is really small so everyone knows each other so this past weekend now we just had the British Tarantula Society show and like everyone I know was there pretty much apart from a few of the Instagrammers so there was Dave's Little Beasties, Glorified Pet Rocks. There was Tarantula Tastic Enclosures. There was um, Bugs Phil. Just everyone was there pretty much that I know. And it's just really nice. And I do have friendships with those people. Yeah, It's just, it's, it's really nice that we don't really have, like I think the furthest person away from me is Scotland, my friend Laura. So I probably won't ever meet her, which is sad, but. Yeah, I have I have met everyone else. <laughs> that's so cool. Like, that's something I kind of get jealous about because, uh, you know, yeah. I I know a lot of these creators will will talk, you know, through messages and stuff, um, or they'll come on the podcast and we'll have a conversation like this. But I I never meet them in person. I think like one of the only YouTubers that I've actually met in person was is Tarantula Cat, and that yeah. was like I flew to St. Louis intentionally, like to do a kind of meet and greet with her. At a tarantula cribs booth at a reptile expo, you know, and it was yeah. like, we kind of hung out that weekend. I haven't seen her since, you know, I mean, I'd never oh. met her before. I ran into, um, 
who was it? Uh, Tyler Ruggy, Rug, Rug, I can't even pronounce his name. Uh, <laughs> uh, he, I ran into him at that show and Kat introduced us, but you know, it's like, I, I don't, I don't really know him either. Um, yeah. so like when I, I'm watching like Pet Rock and Roll or Arachnitube or Mr. Grindlers or, you know, any of those people out there, um, mm. and I see what they're posting. It's like they, they go to a tarantula or some kind of like entomology show or like the, the BTS or something. And it's just like mm-hmm. photo after photo after photo of like, look who I ran yeah. into. Look where I'm like, oh, I wish I could do that. I go to a reptile show around here and, not only do I not see anybody, but nobody knows who I am. So it's like, uh, <laughs> yeah, I thought that was weird having such a big <laughs> online presence. Um, yeah, no, I, Mr. Grindler, Jaden, he's, he's a legend. He's so funny, but he's actually who got me to take my photography more seriously. Oh yeah. So I just think, I think a lot of him, he's a good guy. Yeah. yeah I always, I'm gonna have to get him on the podcast. We, we've talked yeah. about it a few times and for whatever reason, it's just, it always falls through and it's usually my fault. Like I'll be like, yeah, we'll, we'll do it. <laughs> next month and then i don't record podcasts for like three months for one reason or another <laughs> yeah um, no he's he's fun he's yeah good. I, I like him a lot um i, I do want to compliment you um i mean you've got studio headphones on you've got a podcast mic like like you're set up professionally uh, do you do podcasting yourself um so this is my equipment um i can't take credit for it because we were coming on this today i was like right i gotta pull out the big guns so yeah. Me and my friend Rich, we are trying to sort of uh, produce music together at the moment. So I've kind of commandeered his studio. Oh, nice. But I can pretend it's mine. Okay. Well, you sound great. You look great. Like very professional. And uh, I really appreciate that because I've, you know, a lot of times record podcasts and people just have like, you know, their laptop with like a very low resolution camera and no headphones, no mic. And it it sounds like they're, I'm talking to them into a a tin can or something it's like yeah it's very no i had to make an effort yeah i i really appreciate it i think it uh it, <laughs> it sounds really good it t- totally off topic but i just wanted to say thank you <laughs> for doing that you're um, welcome but yeah so it's uh as i was kind of like looking through your instagram and stuff like that and thinking about how cool it is you know kind of being around so many other creators um it, it must make it a lot easier to do like collab videos and stuff like that, you know, kind of create content with other people. Um, mm-hmm. But beyond that, do you do collaborations as far as like keeping, you know, does it make it easier like uh, it, it is to find a tarantula species that you want or to get, you know, you get to know somebody that's breeding and produces an egg sac so you can get your tarantulas from that person or do you yeah, kind of like stay out of that? No, I, I do a lot breeding myself. So, mm-hmm. um, and I know other people that do breeding too. So it's like having a big network of people looking out. So if I, at the moment, for example, I need a P. Lagardia mature male. So I've got like a bunch of people looking for one. But um, I'd always prefer to breed with my friends. So if I ever need something or I know they need something there, who I'll go to first. Um, but because the UK is so small, it's like really intimate community. So you mm. kind of trust each other. Stay with us. We'll be right back. What's all around you, almost everywhere you look, and makes your life better? Birds. Learn all about these beautiful creatures in this wonderful new podcast called Birds of a Feather Talk Together. Two experts guide two newbies on their journey to learn more. Mallard ducks, ivory-billed woodpeckers, Hawaiian honeycreepers, blue jays, cardinals, sandhill cranes, and more. Each week we discuss a different bird and walk away with a better understanding of the birds all around us. 
Oh, and we have a ton of fun doing it. Listen now. You're going to like learning about these birds. I guarantee it. Now, do you, why do you think there's so many people that keep tarantulas? Or maybe is it just like a misperception? Like, it, it feels like it has the appearance that a lot of people in the UK keep tarantulas as pets. I mean, is, mm-hmm. do you think that's the case? Or is it just there's a lot of people that are making their keeping public through creating content? I think it's like somewhere in the middle. So I think I think during the lockdown, a lot of people got into keeping new animals and and learning new things and stuff like that. And I think a lot of people have educated themselves on tarantulas because there has been a massive entry to the exotics hobby, including myself. And um, I think that's definitely happened in the UK. And because there's been more doing people, sorry, more people doing more education on it um, and making more content and making it fun. And um, there's a, a podcast I listen to and they call it edutainment. So it's like educational entertainment. Um, instead of portraying these animals as scary, deadly, you know, all the words you hear all the time, vicious, aggressive, when they're not like that. So um can't remember the original question, but I think it's because there is more education out there. People are coming into the hobby more. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I know that here in the United <laughs> States, there it, it seems like a lot of the imports we get are from Europe, you know? So it, it feels like in Europe in general, there's a lot more established kind of breeders and exporters, importers, you know, all that kind of stuff, businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, I, I never, I think anytime somebody from Europe is on the podcast, I always ask him that question. Cause it's like, mm-hmm. is there, is it, cause it just feels like there's a lot more people keeping over there than there are over here. Um, but maybe I think as well, like we don't have all of the legislation that America have, especially, you know, the troubles with the Lacey Act. And, you know, I saw your comments on, um, you know, the article that came out the other day about deforestation and trashing the animal populations and things like that. Um, we don't really have that issue over here, mm-hmm. which I think makes keeping a lot more easier, especially, you know, like not being able to take animals over state lines. That makes, we don't have that issue. So it makes breeding way easier um, and buy-in as well. So, yeah. um, you know, it's a bummer for you guys, but... Kind of yeah. Helps us out, yes. Yeah. And it's, it's one of those like, uh, you know, there, there's two sides to the coin and it's hard to like be a hundred percent against it because, you know, you do have a passion for these animals, whether they're tarantulas mm-hmm. or snakes or, you know, geckos or whatever. It's like you enjoy keeping them and you want to be able to continue to do that, but you also want to want them to be able to thrive in the wild. And it's like, yeah, I don't want to contribute to their declining numbers, but there's also that reality that the probably the the most uh destructive force to their their numbers in the wild isn't so much poaching as it is the destruction of habitat um yep. but that's like one of those like i after like uh wired contacted me wanted me to give a statement uh to that paper that was released and mm-hmm. i talked to that guy for you know well over half an hour and we went back and forth in email even after that uh it, and just a small section of what we discussed actually made it into the article but it did kind of um open it kind of like opened my eyes a little bit to what the other side is thinking and why they're you know saying what they're saying uh and in an attempt to kind of try to do something good i started reaching out like i reached out to everybody that was an author on that paper and then a whole bunch of other people that 
you know, I've known or met over the years or just heard about over the years that are recnologists or biologists or naturalists or, you know, field researchers or whatever, trying to like, mm. well, how can the pet hobby, like how can keepers, not even like breeders or anything, but people that keep tarantulas because they're passionate about them, how can they help in conservation efforts? And yeah. it was kind of heartbreaking that 99% of the people were like, there's really nothing, nothing you can do because the organizations that are established, uh, that are actively trying to preserve these tarantulas in the wild or, you know, arachnids in general or inverts or, you know, or even just people that are trying to conserve the environment in which they are, not necessarily to protect the tarantulas, but just to protect everything that's living in that jungle or forest or whatever, want absolutely nothing to do with anybody that keeps them as pets. So it's like, there's like this prejudice. It's like, we want help. We want donations. You know, we want support, but not from you people because you people are the problem. So it's like this weird uh, kind of like disconnect. It, and I was like, well, that's heartbreaking. <laughs> it's really sad. Yeah. It's it's sad that sort of the more conscious keepers are almost tarred with this this brush of of people that see their animals as like um like a collection. You know, they're not actual animals that you care and love and watch grow. You know, I'm sure me and you would be happier helping out conservation efforts and things like that. I wouldn't, one thing that I've tried to do from the very beginning is I only buy captive bread. Yeah. And that's just because I just, I can't, I can't own an animal that's been taken from the wild. Um, and I understand for us to have it in the hobby, obviously at some point there has to be wild caught. I, I get it. I just, it just doesn't sit right with me. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's just one of those necessities or realities that if mm. for a tarantula to be in the hobby or any reptile or amphibian uh, for it to be bred in captivity initially it had to be removed from the wild yeah so you know it, it's that part is kind of i want to say a necessary evil but it's just it's part of it uh but it seems like once the tarant like you mentioned the curly hair that you got like that's a very well established tarantula in the hobby there's a lot of people that keep them there's a lot of people breeding them so there's absolutely zero need for anyone to go out into the wild and catch one to turn around and sell, you know, but exactly. people still do um, because, you know, you can have an adult and you get more money for an adult than you would for selling a spiderling. So, you know, there is that temptation there. Um, mm-hmm. So that's why, you know, most of the time I try to avoid buying adult tarantulas unless I know the person and I know that yeah. they, they raise them. Um, you know, I'm just going to go to some random pet shop and buy an adult tarantula. Because more than likely it would be, especially when it's really cheap. It's like, yeah, yeah. That, that's probably wild caught. We're not going to mess. Yeah, with yeah. You paid someone ten pounds to bring that into the country. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I know what you mean. Like when when the was it the Ornithoctona species? Was it my Hong got reevaluated as the Taxonus bambus recently? Mm, yeah. People were going nuts for it, and like the day after it got re re um classified people had like egg sacs coming in they had adult females and i was just it just made me feel unwell yeah yeah it's and i'm like just because it just because it's a new tarantula doesn't give you the right to just go and rip it from its environment it's it's a mess yeah and and i was having a discussion with someone about it um you know like it it's a it's it sucks that that happens but a lot of times the places where these new species are like discovered or, you know, reclassified or, you know, whatever. Economically, they're not the most prosperous areas in the world. You know what I mean? Like sometimes, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not saying like third world countries, but sometimes they can be, um, you know, but it, 
it's easy for me to to sit in my house in you know the middle of the United States uh, with a comfortable life and look down at people for you know while collecting tarantulas to sell them to make money that have no you know they don't keep tarantulas or anything like that they you know but it's like if I was in abject poverty and there were tarantulas just all over my backyard, you know what I mean? Or just in the jungle down the street that I know I could just catch in a cup and sell to somebody and make 10 bucks, you know, yeah. it would be very difficult for me to not do that. You know, I suppose. Yeah. When you put it like that, I obviously would never have an issue with that. My issue is more with buying wild corp, but of course you've got to buy it from someone and it does make sense, you know, like that it's just it's a difficult one isn't yeah it? i mean it's like similar to what you see in mexico a lot like you know, there's a lot of people that are involved or not, not so much mexico i mean mexico or you know central south america uh, a lot of people get caught up in the drug trade you know manufacturing or you know growing or something like that not because they like to use drugs or anything it's just mm-hmm. that's the only way they can make money to support their family and yeah. you know it's like it it sucks so it's like yeah you could go after the the pet trade, but that's kind of like, you know, keep people that keep pets, but that's kind of like uh, criminalizing drug use and going after the drug users. This is a terrible mm-hmm. analogy. I should not be comparing tarantulas to drug use, but you know what I mean? Like that's, you're hitting the end user. That's not going to stop the demand. You know, you should really be going yeah. to the source, you know, you, mm-hmm. you incentivize people not to manufacture drugs and the, you know, they're not going to do it. Same like if you in, can incentivize people not to poach tarantulas in their native, you know, area, then they're, they're not, you know, like, like what they're doing in some places in Africa, uh, where mm-hmm. it's like poaching was such a problem, and, but they, they kind of made tourism more profitable than selling ivory. And, and that's yeah. drastically helped, you know, rhinoceros and, and elephant populations and things of that nature. So, I mean, I don't know how you could do tarantula tourism, but in general, if, if there was some way to make it, more profitable to preserve the wildlife in that area, you know, yeah. or somehow interject some kind of um, money-making uh, business uh, for the people that live there, so they they wouldn't have to turn to wild collecting and smuggling yeah. and all that stuff. But yeah, I do, I do get that. Like, um, I lived in Uganda for a little while, and there's a lot of it's controversial how I say it. Taranoculus, Taranoculus. Oh, geez. <laughs> There's a lot of them in the area where I was yeah. because um, I was on the border of Tanzania. Um, and there was a lot of poaching, but mm. like you said, it was a necessity. But um, yeah, yeah, it's it's a difficult one. When you have other options, you have other options. And if you don't, you don't. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's one of the, like, we're not going to fix it on this podcast, mm. but it, I think it's, it's an interesting uh, conversation to have because it's not as one dimensional as sometimes it gets painted. You know, it's not people that keep snakes are, you know, destroying the habitat or, you know, are decimating their wild population. It's like, yes, but there's also people that are killing snakes because they're scared of them or spiders because they're scared yeah. of them. People that are collecting them for financial purposes because they have no other options to make money to feed their family. Uh, yeah. You know, there's, there's a whole bunch that the, the environment itself is getting destroyed. Like you see that in Brazil a lot, just rainforest, just, being mass, like just burning down to make room for farmland or, or, you know, getting destroyed for logging. It's like, those are all like, there's a whole bunch of different factors, a whole bunch of different reasons yeah. things are happening. So you, you, you know, to just go after one small aspect uh, and kind of demonize them as the problem 
is misleading because even if you completely outlaw all tarantula keeping, all tarantula trade, there's still going to be a problem with their environment being destroyed. And, you know, and, mm. and one of the things I was talking to one of the writers of that, we were kind of messaging back and forth. And uh, I was like, you know, he, he was talking about Cambodia and Thailand and things like that, where all these species are being removed. I'm like, but how do you know they're all, you know, they also eat tarantulas there, you know, like mm. their meals, their, their snacks. So, you know, how much of those tarantulas and scorpions that are disappearing from the wild are actually making it to the pet trade and not going into, you know, the food industry or, you know, and, and mm-hmm. like, I, I don't know anything about, I've never been to those countries. I am very, I just, I'm not an expert in that. So like, uh, it was just kind of a question, you know, and, and it's something that wasn't addressed or it rarely gets addressed. And I'm not saying that they shouldn't eat them. I mean, people can eat whatever they want in their country. I, I don't, I'm not like criticizing their customs or culture or anything like that. I just think that it's, it should be part of the conversation as well. That's all. That's mm-hmm. pretty much all I was trying to say, but yeah. yeah. Um, but I kind of, I don't know how to really transition from that. Cause that's like, you know, I want to talk about it. I want to raise awareness, but I also just, I'm just, I'm not an expert in that field. So it's kind of hard mm-hmm. to, you know, intelligently talk about some of these things. Uh, it is, is difficult. And it's controversial as well. And it's quite, sometimes it's quite hard to put across your opinion without upsetting someone but no like I know a couple months ago there was a problem I don't know if you guys had it over in America but there was a guy who kept sending a video around the UK community and it was just basically like this big barrel of um Kiriopagabus lividus so cobalt blues and they were all alive and the guy was just picking up handfuls and just like throwing them into oil and like you said like yes they are food out there and I don't judge anyone's food choices because why you meat mm-hmm. but that's that's hard for me to see yeah uh and it was just excessive I feel like just didn't need to see that yeah I don't think I saw that video but I've seen similar videos um you know and and heard stories but yeah I, it, it's easy for me to be like well I keep that as a pet you know it's kind of like would get very upset if somebody was sharing a video of how they butcher and eat dogs, you know, I, and mm. I've got some like here in our area, we actually had this, uh, huge Hindu or Hare Krishna temple where, you know, they, they don't eat beef, you know, it's like they, they really respect, they have a lot of reverence for cows, you know, and they have mm. like a bunch of them up there and, you know, they, they take really good care of them, but they don't slaughter them and eat them. And, mm. you know, so they see me eating a burger. It's probably, oh, it, offensive maybe i don't even i'm not gonna speak for him but i'm sure that they don't like that you know it's disturbing yeah so uh, it just it's a difference in culture so sometimes i try to keep mm. that in mind like i am not gonna say you're a bad person for eating a tarantula or a scorpion because i've never eaten it i don't maybe they taste good i don't know <laughs> but you know it, it from my perspective it's not something i would do um no. yeah so it's difficult when somebody shares something like that but i also get comments from people in those areas that are just like you know, uh, you're, you're taking such good care of that. We, I, I would just fry it and eat it. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> it's mad. Like I had a guy I was talking to the other day, talking to me about, right, I'm going to murder this name, Burupi's Simaroxagora. Mm-hmm. Nailed it. And in the UK, the slings alone are like 80, 85 pounds, which is quite a lot of money for a sling. Um, and he's like, they're all over my garden all the time. Oh, wow. It's, just, it's so fun. I'd love to see them in the wild. Yeah, that would be really cool. It's and that was something I was kind of hoping to do with my channel was 
kind of go out into the wild and, and see some strange, kind of like what uh, Martin does over at Bird Spiders CH, but not mm-hmm. as scientific approach as he does. More just like, yeah. what do these things look like? What does their environment look like? Um, mm-hmm. And then COVID came and, and, and everything just kind of, <laughs> my, my life situation changed so it made it harder to travel so it's like eventually we'll get there hopefully <laughs> you can go yeah. you know see some of these in the wild but you will yeah it, it just it seems really cool i would, I would definitely love to do that and I, I remember when that species came to the united states like it was a little controversial because it's like mm. should we even have these and you know and and they were insanely expensive like 85 pounds would be a, a good deal uh, i think it was initially like four or five hundred dollars a spider <laughs> For sling, yeah, yeah. God, that ha- that's happened. That happens a lot. It was like that with Postlotherium metallica. Um, I think when Harpicteria pulchropes first came out, and Golden Blue Leg Baboon, they were really, really expensive. T. Celadonia, you know, easily six, seven, eight hundred dollars a sling, and it's like it's a spiderling, so they're not all going to make it. You're just based off you know numbers. So it's like mm-hmm. there's they have a hundred to sell from an egg sack. In nature, maybe 10% of them would survive. In captivity, maybe 75, 80, 90%. But there's still some that are just not genetically strong enough to survive even in optimal conditions. So you... No. Like the Saladonia is so fragile. Yeah. Couldn't pay $600 for that. Yeah. Somebody wanted me to make a video on them. And I was like, I'm not paying. I think at the time, the price had dropped down to like $350, $400. But I was still like, no. I'm not doing that. And then somebody sent me one for free. And uh, I mean, it had everything. This is the enclosure. Already pretty much everything set up. And they were like, just just take care of it. And it it was it wasn't even a week and it, it curled up and died. And I was like, okay, I was doing exactly everything you told me to do in using your enclosure. I was like, I, I don't I don't know. And it, I know they're really fragile, but I also was just like, this one, you know, they haven't been in captivity long enough to really have that. Um, and, and this is something I, maybe it's just a theory that I have, but I feel like if you have tarantulas in captivity and you breed them and then they, though their offspring lives in captivity their entire life, and then you breed those and then they live in captivity, you know what I mean? Like you get three or four generations, just the way that animals are like the ones that don't do well in captivity will die off and then they won't get bred. So you'll just kind of be breeding the ones that have like whatever features or, you know, genetics that are optimized for living in captivity. So they, mm. the species itself becomes much stronger, much easier, much more hardy to keep in captivity. So when you Makes get sense. a new species that's come from the wild and it's like the first egg sac that was bred in captivity, I mean, how how uh, well adapted will the, their, their offspring be to actually survive in captivity? Uh, you yeah. know, it may take five or six generations before they're really st- strong captive bred species spiderlings but again that's something else that i just pull out of my butt i don't know if there's any scientific basis to it but it logically it seems to make sense it does make sense the strongest ones breed with the strongest ones makes sense but yeah no i had i had a saladonia sent to me as well and i got it i remember getting it through a malt and i was so excited i was like yes and then it died a week later and and again same as you i had everything it needed yeah, yeah it the was- the the keep the husbandry was in theory perfect, but just yeah. died. Yeah, you know, and it's like most of my tranches, I give them space. You know, I I take care of their basic needs, make sure they're fed, they got water and stuff like that. But I I don't want to stress them out. And I know I, in my experience, at least most of my tarantulas, the less I interact with them, the better they're doing. You know, like the less stress they are, mm-hmm. the more they're out in the open. 
Um, so like I try not to be like a helicopter parent when it comes to that. But with the T Celadonia, I was like checking on it every day, sometimes twice a day, making sure, you know, it was eating and then it had built its I mean, it made its own little trap door, it had a little hollowed out part in the cork bark. I was like, yeah, it's doing really well, but it was just so freaking tiny. It's like this, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's like, you know, it it, it was heart breaking. But I was glad mm-hmm. I didn't buy it. I was like, man, if I had spent five hundred dollars, yeah, I know, on I know that, it sounds bad, but when mine died, I was a bit like, okay. yeah. <laughs> and I feel sorry for people that you know that they'll post, "Oh, I'm so excited! I just got this spiderling," and then like two weeks later, a month later, "Oh, it died." It's like, I'm so sorry, because <laughs> yeah, I know that was an expensive loss. And you, yeah. I mean, a lot of times, you didn't do anything wrong. It's just you know, for whatever mm-hmm. reason, it didn't survive, but. Some of my friends have just gotten to keep an invert. They've come over from the snake community. And I said to them, like, before you get into inverts, you have to be prepared that sometimes they just die. And it's really horrible. But they do sometimes, they just are fragile beings and they will just just die sometimes. And it's just annoying. Yeah. It's one, one of the hazards of the hobby, I think, isn't it? Yeah. And in a lot of species, I wouldn't even say they're fragile, you know, like, Gramostola poker bees or, you know, pretty much any fauna pelma or brachypelma species, like they're pretty hardy, you know, tarantulas. Yeah. But even at that, that like, like just, I, I don't remember who it was I was talking to or I was listening to, but they were talking about, um, I think I was listening to the Amphibicast podcast and they were talking about dart frogs or maybe red eyed, it was red eyed tree frogs in the wild. Mm-hmm. And they're talking about how many eggs they produce and how often, like pretty much it rains in their environment and they, they, they put, you know, they, they lay a bunch of eggs and mm. tadpole and, you know, then like within a week or so, they, they kind of develop into tadpoles and then, you know, however, so many weeks later, they, they come out as froglets. Um, but the reason they produce so many eggs is because like nine, 80 to 90% of them would get eaten in the wild. When you're breeding mm. them in captivity, it's like you have, you know, a, a much higher rate of success. So there's yeah. a whole, you can breed them pretty quickly and get them in, out in the market. So you don't have to like pull them out of the wild. But mm. he, the guy was discussing about, you know, talk about even, even though they're in optimal conditions and they don't have any predators, still there's a, a majority, or not a majority, but there's a percentage of them that are just going to die because, mm. you know, they were essentially kind of like the way mother nature works. Like you know, they'll have a thousand, I don't want to say a thousand, but we'll say a hundred, um, for whatever reason, we'll just say a hundred spiderlings or a hundred frogs or whatever, um, are the eggs are hatched. Um, some of the, like, they're, uh, yes, they're a living animal, but they're also a source of food for other animals. Mm-hmm. So the, you know, mother nature would be like, well, so many of them are just going to be weak or they're not going to be able to defend themselves or run away. So there's a guaranteed amount that will be food. Like it's yeah. kind of making mother nature this like conscious thing, but I'm not trying to personify it, but it makes sense. Like yeah, not, they're not all going to be strong. Them. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's not something you can breed out in captivity like it, there's still going to be yeah. some some runts or weaklings or you know whatever you want to call them so yeah and i, I think it's, it's important to remember that we are in a food chain though because can you imagine we'd be overrun by frogs otherwise and there would be oh, spiders yeah. everywhere yeah <laughs> there, there are spiders everywhere everywhere <laughs> <laughs> there's this great book it's, i think it's called the biology of spiders i mean the biology mm. of arachnids or something like that i got it off amazon and i was like really into it i got it i got half like most books I read, I get like halfway through loving yeah. it, reading it like every day. And then something comes up and I get distracted and then I never go back and finish it. So yeah. like, I've got a little bookshelf over here full of books that I've half read. 
And that's one of them. But one of the interesting parts of it, and it's something I want to do a video on, was just talking about how many spiders there are, like per square kilometer in the world, and like mm-hmm. and like thousands and thousands of them. And it's like you don't you only see like two percent of the spiders that are actually there. Like I've got spider up here in the corner of my room right now. That's just a free range, you know, basement spider. <laughs> I, yeah. Not anything I would keep. Just a house spider. But there's a mm-hmm. lot of them in here because like the conditions in here are optimal. For arachnids, so my tarantulas yeah, are doing my- well, but also all of the n- spiders that would normally live in a basement are doing well. And I don't, I, I just let them. Most I, I don't even remove them. I'm just like, yeah, you can you can hang out in here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, they clean up yeah. the fruit flies or crickets that escape. Yeah, <laughs> so that's like, mine too. Yeah, yeah, they're I've very got, very like, fat spiders. <laughs> yeah, mine all look very healthy. <laughs> yeah, no, I've got I've got a bunch of house spiders that live in my room. Yeah. It's funny though because about three years ago I would have been terrified of them, and now I'm just like, hey, buddy. <laughs> <What's doing?"> yeah, <laughs> and sometimes they'll even like move in. Like, there's a couple spiders living in one of my big snake enclosures behind me. <laughs> it's like. Nice you're not going to bother the snake. And no. <laughs> so we'll just, we'll just let you do your thing. Kind of help keep everything clean. I'll but, tell you what though, this week I've been, um, catching jumping spiders everywhere. So, oh yeah? um, yeah. So, uh, I've been breeding jumping spiders and the first sack failed. Um, so I asked my friend sort of for some advice and she said, just let them hatch out with the sack. So I did. And then they were everywhere. So I've been finding them. Um, I've now got up to 119. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. But, you know, if it was S. calciatums on the roam, I probably would be a little bit more concerned. But yeah, baby jumpers. But I think I've got (laughs) them all now. (laughs) That's cool. I I had, I think I just told this story in another podcast, but I had uh when I first started like uh, getting, when I first moved here and was like really kind of building up my tarantula collection, I would uh, have the spiderlings sent to my shop, like where I worked to the store because that's where mm-hmm. I was during the day. I didn't want them to sit on the porch or anything like that. And we had a really good relationship with like a FedEx driver and stuff. So he would know like all these are live spiders and, and would, you know, be very careful with them and, and bring them to me. And it, so I just kind of, a lot of times would just keep the slings on my desk because, you know, they weren't, they it just kind of looked cool. I didn't like to have them there. And yeah. uh, I would keep them there until they needed rehouse into a larger enclosure. And then I'd bring them home and set them up. And at one point, all the spiderlings, you know, maybe I had like five or six on the desk at a time, were back at my house. And uh, the guy I worked for was kind of missing them. It was like, I, I kind of enjoyed that. We should get a spider for the shop. And he wanted a jumping spider. So we got a couple of jumping spiders, set them up. And within like a couple of days, one of them had an egg sack. And I kept putting it off. I was like, I'll just let her have it. And, you know, eventually I need to bring her home and put her in an enclosure where they couldn't escape. And I waited too long and we came in and there were just baby jumping spiders. Like they could just crawl right through the vent. So like they were all over the office. Honestly, they're so small. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. I'm like catching them off my roof. Yeah. And, yeah. and I'm a little nervous because I got a um, a black widow right here. For those watching, I'm, I'm pulled its enclosure off the shelf. But can you see? Oh. God. She just laid an egg sack trying to get it in there. It's, a, it? it's right there. Yeah. yeah. And oh that, I just saw that this morning. So this is very new. Oh, <laughs> like, no. she, those things, when it hatches, can definitely get out these ventilation holes. So I'm going yeah. to have to figure something out. Because <laughs> I don't want a basement full of Black Widow spiders. No, that's, that's not the one. <laughs> I take care of my um, friend's um, 
animals sometimes when he goes on holiday. Yeah. And he used to have a problem with false widows. Mm-hmm. And they they um they were just everywhere. He's got rid of them now. But one bit me and it was so painful, like oh, unnecessarily goodness. painful. And it was like this tiny little little guy on my hand. Yeah. But yeah, I wouldn't want a room full of black <laughs> Yeah. So we'll, that, that's my my uh one of my projects for this week is <laughs> mm-hmm. trying to find out how to safely move her into a better enclosure or, you know, I might just say one thing I've done before in the past is use uh pantyhose, you know, and just kind of yeah, like it wrap over. it around the yeah. enclosure. So uh, I might just do that, but we'll, we'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll talk to some people that actually have bred uh, <laughs> black mm-hmm. widows and get their opinion on the best way to handle it. Uh, yeah. But yeah. So, you know, one of the things that, I, I've kind of been focusing on recently uh, with my personal content is like documentary filmmaking. And mm. it kind of started because I, I really enjoy watching nature documentaries, but also I just like documentaries in general. And my sister got married and I uh, filmed her wedding for her and kind of enjoyed it. And like, you know, just that whole process and was like, I'm going to start doing some. So I've like, I've got a couple projects that I'm working on that are documentaries that are not related to any anything to do with animals at all just like other experiences or passions i have in life uh, mm-hmm. we'll get into that um, but i also was started a documentary on the exotic pet hobby like not just tarantulas but you know like talking to uh, people that breed snakes people that put on exotic pet shows um like, i don't know if you guys saw it in the uk but there was a uh, documentary that came out on i want to say imdb tv or free freebie free whatever i don't they changed the name of the app but it's called bug out and it was about the mm-hmm. Philadelphia insect zoo. And it was like four or five cool. episodes, kind of like a little mini series. And it was all about um, this insect zoo uh, that got robbed, we'll say. And I don't want to spoil it for anybody that hasn't seen it, but you know, it's like it, it pretty much 80% of the documentary was just going through all of the negative aspects of the hobby, like, you know, Mexican mm-hmm. cartels and, illegal smuggling and all this i mean just you know just saying like exotic pet shows were a front for illegal activity like they would put all the stuff you could sell legally on the table but if you knew the right questions to ask they had a bunch of species that were illegal to keep under the table and it was like it was just like that's not true no you know it's extremely over exaggerated and then you they just drag the hobby through the mud for hours only to be like, okay, well, the issue that we're dealing with actually had nothing to do with any of that. It was oh, great, one person great. being a, a, you know, very unethical. Oh. And it's like, like just lying, essentially. It's one guy. It's like, what the heck? Like, they, that was unnecessary. Like, I understand as far as like a, you know, a director or a writer, why you would do that? Because it created a lot of suspense and drama. But it was all at, you know, the expense of, you know, the, the, you know, the reputation of exotic pet keepers and breeders, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so I was like, I'm going to make a documentary that uh, kind of talks about the positive aspects, you know, like is a much more realistic and truthful kind of um, present like presentation. Um, but in like kind of preparing for that, you know, it, it takes a long time and doing all, you know, interviews with a bunch of different people all over the country. So it's slowly, it's like something, you know, I work on, a little bit every week and you know it's going to take months to kind of get it all together uh but in the meantime i've been like trying to make fake documentaries in my basement make it look like you know i'm going to argentina or arizona nice. or something like that and you know 
filming like a documentary about just tarantulas. Um, mm. But I, I bring this up because when I was, when, when you, people were like, Hey, you should get the spare room on your podcast. I was checking out all your content and been following you since. And I saw you made a post that you were in a documentary. And I, I thought that was, that was pretty freaking cool. And I was hoping maybe you could like kind of talk about that a little bit. Tell us like one, what the documentary is about, how you got into it, but just also kind of share the experience of like, you know, how that was filmed and how it all went down. Yeah, it was so cool. So I got contacted by um, some students at Cardiff University and they said they wanted to make a short documentary on the tarantulas and the animals I have, but they mainly wanted to focus on the spiders. So um, we had a meeting where they, they sort of workshopped their idea and they said they wanted to make it like a horror film, all of this. And I was like, no, <laughs> definitely not going to do that. So... <laughs> Um, so the whole, so then we agreed sort of, we'd start off with it being like a little bit creepy, but by the end you sort of learn that they're not these, um, big scary animals and that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, it was, it was so cool. Like they came in with all this super professional equipment. It wasn't just me at home with my camera and my ring light. Um, uh, all the sound equipment and there was like four or five of them and they were amazing. And then they, they put it all together and it was just when I watched it, I just had this massive smile on my face because it's just so cool to see someone want to put a spotlight on something that you love so much. I was just, yeah. it was just lovely. Yeah. Yeah. So where, where is the documentary available for people to see yet? Has it been officially released? So it's on my YouTube. Um, and I think the students have put it on theirs, but I think it's going to be in, um, some, uh, video festival soon. Okay. Um, so when I have the details of that, I can put it up. Awesome. And for those mm. watching on uh, YouTube, I put links to your account. Uh, just kind of scrolling across the bottom there. So if anybody wants to find you on Twitter or Instagram or YouTube and, and check it out, uh, definitely. Uh, and I know mm. that I'm going to watch that this evening. Awesome. <laughs> I really want to see it. Uh, cause yeah, I think that's, that's really cool. So you didn't know these, like, how did they find you? How did they get your information? Just message me on Instagram. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we just got talking and yeah, we met for a coffee and kind of discussed what they wanted to get out of it and their ideas. And then, yeah, we went from there. It was, um, it's, it's kind of cool to, to, to be doing something that you love so much and have other people want, want to know about it and share that with you. And yeah. the cool thing was there was a couple of them that really didn't like snakes and tarantulas. And then by the end of it, they, they were a bit like less afraid, which yeah. is nice. So were they focusing more on the pets or more on you as a keeper? Um, I think it was me looking after my pets. So what, like how I got into it, like what I love about them. Yeah. Um, but the way they edited it, it was because people like us get asked a million times a week, when did you first get into tarantula keeping? Like, what do you like about the animals? Blah, blah, blah. But they made it really interesting. And, uh, and the way they edited all the, the audio over the video and things like that, like they, they did my animals justice and I'm really proud of them. That's very cool. Yeah. That's, mm -hmm. that's one of the things I, I'm always nervous anytime you know, somebody reaches out to me from mm -hmm. mainstream media or something like that. Cause it's like, you know, you, you're being nice to me to my face, but I have seen time and time again that, you know, you, you talk to these people and then you spin it and 
kind of mm-hmm. take words out of context and and things like that that and, and kind of villainize stuff like uh yeah you know it's 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 always kind of frustrating like like they did in that you know bug out documentary mm. i'm sure yeah, I, i'm sorry yeah, <laughs> bad at this yeah so um yeah i kind of made it like clear from the beginning that i i didn't like if they wanted to find someone who was willing to make their animals look scary and like this horror movie that they wanted to do like they'd really found the wrong creator so um yeah so they they were really good at that and you know we kind of worked together on how in their head we could make that exciting mm-hmm. um and yeah they they went for it and they did they did really well i'm just really happy with it yeah that's very cool <laughs> mm. yeah I've, I've had um fox here um i don't know what they i, I guess it's just 20th century fox i don't know if that's still what it is but mm-hmm. pretty much you just say like we're a casting director with Fox networks and uh, I've done a few auditions for them for just different shows that they're putting on. And uh, it, and that's always I like, that's usually the initial route they want to take is like making the spiders or snakes look scary and dangerous. And that's, that's always like right off the bat. I'm like, no, these aren't deadly. They're not scary. They're not violent. Like, if that's the mm-hmm. angle you're wanting, I am not the guy for you because yeah. you know, I'm an advocate for what great pets they make and, you know, how yeah. easy they are to take care of and how docile they could be. Like, it's not, like, yeah. we're, I'm not, you can't use me to try and scare people. No, uh, it would, no, I could never do that. <laughs> yeah. No. But it just kind of seems that's the way people want to go. Just, like, that's almost like yeah. a lazy, like, well, this is an easy <laughs> route to take because people already have this ingrained fear. Mm. But it's and not. It- is interesting. Yeah, definitely. Um, one of the things I said to them was like day-to-day keeping of tarantulas is boring if you're not one of those people that like wants to put them on your head or have them crawl out of your mouth, over your face, whatever. I said like, but we, we can make it exciting for sure, but it's not going to be tarantulas biting my leg, waking me up in the night. Like There was yeah. one shot they wanted to do with it walking across my, my pillow in my bed. I was like, well, there's a number of reasons we're not going to do that. But uh, <laughs> I don't want hairs in my eyes when I go to sleep. But also, right. I was like, I don't want to encourage that view that they're... It's, it's really funny as someone who keeps tarantulas that if a spider did escape, it wouldn't be crawling across my bed. It'd be hiding mm-hmm. and staying very still. And it's just it's just funny to me that that's, that's how people view them. Yeah. Like, they would jump on you. Like, wouldn't right. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I know just from what I do, like, like inevitably, and I always try to avoid it just because I don't enjoy having those. Con- it's not even that I don't enjoy having the conversation. I just don't enjoy having any small talk with anyone, especially when it's the same topic over and over again. Yeah. That, that just inevitable when someone's like, well, what do you do? And I'm like, well, I, I you know, rec- I pretty much create content. I, I photograph and, and film tarantulas and, and try to make like educational and entertaining content about them and you know and so then like but i as soon as i say that i know like the next 10 questions they're going to ask and then they're going to be stupid questions that it's just like i don't even want to go down this road like we'll just Mm -hmm. i'll just say i'm in uh, photography and videography and just leave with that (laughs) because you know it's you you tell people you've got a hundred tarantulas at least the people that i've told one of the common things is like you just they just it's like they think they just roam free in the basement. Like my, you walk into my, you open the yeah. door in the basement. There's just a hundred tarantulas just walking around. It's like it just vibing, yeah. Why would you think that that's the case? 
<laughs> yeah, I, I had a similar thing recently. Someone asked me if they were all in one enclosure. Yeah. No. <laughs> so I've got like a little folder on my phone of like pictures of enclosures, pictures of the basement from a wide angle, pictures of tarantulas. So whenever it inevitably comes up and, and they are asking those questions, I can just like pull it up and be like, well, just look. <laughs> like this is what it looks like. This is what they do, you know, like watch my YouTube channel if you want more information. Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's why I make those like, videos so I don't have to answer these questions a hundred times. Oh my God. No, I know. I've just made a highlight now on how to sex a tarantula for that exact reason. There's only so many times I can tell someone how to sex a tarantula before yeah. I just want to throw my phone across the room. Yeah. <laughs> I know that feeling. That's probably yeah. still one of the most, you know, anytime I ask for video ideas, how, how to sex yeah. tarantulas, I'm like, like I could do that, but I'm not an expert. Like I don't like breeding. Like that's not the part of the hobby I enjoy the most. So my mm-hmm. experience is nowhere near as good as, you know, the dozens or hundreds of other creators out there that do do that. And they've all made videos and posts and, you know, photograph. It's like, there's so yeah. much content out there about how to sex a tarantula. Like the best I could do is just essentially just steal their content. Like just, <laughs> just copy yeah. everything they did and then just do it in my own, you know, voice. <laughs> it's like I don't want to do that <laughs> yeah no I know what you mean and I've I've found this like weird niche for being like pretty much always spot on I can tell ventrally whether a tarantula is a male or female I'm getting quite mm-hmm. good at it but um trying to explain that to someone is just impossible so yeah I've made this highlight now and I just direct everyone very calmly yeah to that. <laughs> that's the way to do it. That's what people were asking. That's like my first video I ever made. That's what started that whole YouTube journey is uh, I kept posting pictures of my tarantulas. People were like, where'd you get that enclosure? And I'm like, oh, I made it myself from, uh, you know, a bot, like a storage container I got from the container store. And they're like, well, how did, mm-hmm. how did you build that? So I'd explain the whole process and they'd be like, oh, thank you so much. And then two weeks later, somebody would ask the exact same question. And I'd go through the whole spiel again. And I was like, you know what? I'm making a video and I'm just going to put it out there. <laughs> So I can just drop that link and they can see me actually drill the holes and where I got it and all that stuff. Yeah. And you know, I was like, I've actually um, started a website now for care sheets for mm-hmm. another similar reason. So, yeah. yeah. So I can just be like, have a look on here. Yeah. That's yeah, very cool. And and I yeah. mean, that's how businesses got like, that's how I, I transitioned into doing this full time. It's like, it just kept directing people there, started answering more questions and, covering yeah. more topics. And then it was like, well, this is just kind of generated, turned into like this like small passive income into, mm. uh, I mean, it's still a small income, but at least I can live off of it now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you get to do something that you love every day. Yeah. Most Even days. though it's a lot of effort. <laughs> yeah. That's like one of the people say that. And it's like, not exactly. Like I love that I am my own boss and I love that I get to hang out with my tarantulas all day there's a lot of aspects of it I don't like, and I didn't even realize we're going to be part of it, you know, like, mm. you know, dealing with third party advertising companies, trying to get integrated ads so that I can pay my mortgage, you know, like working with Skillshare or you know, yeah. Nord VPN or it's like, that's always a pain and, or just mm. dealing with the onslaught of uh, emails of people wanting to host the podcast on their platform and, and just that, like the business side of it. I don't enjoy yeah. that. Um, yeah, and, I can appreciate that. I think I'd be the same. Yeah. And sometimes like I enjoy filming the tarantulas. I enjoy photographing them. I enjoy taking care of them and making the enclosures. Uh, But like the actual, sometimes the editing of the video I can enjoy, but a lot of times it's just a chore that needs to be done. It's like, yeah, no, I I completely agree. I get it. I love the process, but the editing is just so boring. 
yeah, and time consuming. And, mm. and then I get like, I could, I get frustrated sometimes when I talk to other creators because they're like, oh, I just recorded the video and edited it and uploading it today, you know, and that's like within the span of five hours or, you know, sometimes less. And I'm like, I wish I could do that. But there's something in my brain that's like, I can't just film it with my phone and chop it together and put it out there within an hour. Like, yeah, you know, my yeah, brain I is can. like, I got to slow the speed and, and sync it with music and, and color mm. grade all the footage and. All this stuff that nobody probably even notices, but it's like, in my mind, I'm like, I got to do that because somebody might watch this in 20 years and I want it to still look good. <laughs> People do notice that for sure. With you. Well, you, you do apparently. Stuff. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to speak on behalf of everyone on earth when I say that. <laughs> you would be surprised how many people are like, why aren't you putting out content every day? It's like, because I, I need to sleep <laughs> and have a life. Yeah. Because you're a human being. <laughs> yeah, tarantulas are not the easiest to film the way I do. Like, no. Yeah. And I don't know what it's like for you at the moment, but pretty much all of my adults, bar one, is in pre-molt. So yeah. it's pretty boring at the moment. <laughs> like, There's not a lot going on right now. I feel you. Yeah, that's so... Mm -hmm. You know, when people will request a specific species and it's like, why don't you make a video on this? It's like, because it's in its burrow. And like, I'm not going to dig her out just to film her. And like, yeah. when she comes out and it's like out and about moving around, you know, then, then that's the time, you know? And sometimes mm. it's like, I can pull a tarantula out, set it on the table or on a set or something like that. I'll record for five hours, but I only have, you know, 20 or 30 minutes worth of use, usable footage. Mm. You know, it's like, cause a lot of times they don't do anything. They're just sitting there, you know, I don't want to like poke and prod them all and, you know, yeah. so it's like, it, it, it can be frustrating. And sometimes they move so fast. It's like, I film, I have so much footage of tarantulas moving around that isn't in focus <laughs> because it's like, oh, yeah. they, they, they get out of frame or they're not, you know, in focus. And it's like, oh, I thought that was, it was like an amazing shot of them doing something really cool, but it was so blurry, like too blurry. Yeah. I didn't even use it. So I know a lot of pain, like especially with feeding videos. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's like, I feel like I, I film for 10 hours and, you know, then I edit for another 10, 20 hours and then I have a 10 minute video. <laughs> People are like, you should do that more. And it's like, I can't. I you physically can't. don't have that ability. No, I know. I was editing some pictures last night and I took just over 90 and I think I liked four of them. Yeah. Yeah. Pain. I know that feeling. <laughs> like I just put out a video on tarantula anatomy where I, um, I don't know if you saw it, but I had, I think it's right behind me. Have you seen this? It is a, uh, uh like That's a plastic so cool. model of a tarantula has all of its organs and stuff. Nice. And that was the first time in a long time I've like filmed a video and then could edit it the next day and release it. So it's like, nice. you know, it was, it was, it was a fake tarantula. <laughs> so it was mainly just me <laughs> taking it out of the box and putting it together and talking about all the parts, you know? So yeah. that was, that was easier. It's it like did I, what you wanted it to do. <laughs> Yeah, if if I could make content like that, uh, I could push out three or four videos a week. But mm. yeah, but tarantulas don't cooperate. So mm -mm. Is, is there was one um, shot in the documentary where they wanted a picture of my Canthuscaria geniculata on the sideboards, and I was like, okay, but she's not going to do anything. <laughs> and I yeah. just sat there, and they were like, we'll wait. I was like, I'm sure you will. <laughs> You're going to have to. <laughs> she just sat there. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And they were like, Can you get her to move? I was like, What do you want me to do? Call her name? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I had uh, as one of the interviews I was doing or auditions. I don't know what the hell it was with um, Fox. They were wanting it was like stupid pet tricks, and uh, mm. they were wanting me to uh, show a, a tarantula jumping. So I have my my Caribbean Versicolor because she'll jump a lot, but it's mm. not on demand. <laughs> you know, it's like. Yeah. Like, uh, they're like, well, can you get, get us some footage, like some B-roll of her jumping? And it's like, okay. So an entire day of, you know, letting, like built this whole little set with different cork barks and lit it up, had the cameras set up and then like trying to entice her to jump, to get a cricket or something like that. And, you know, she would crawl around and, and I got, you know, a few shots of it and I sent it to him and they're like, well, can you get it from this angle? And it's like, you do not appreciate how much time and effort went to get what I just got you. Yeah. You're not paying me for this yet. Like, this is no. like you're you're trying to put together a show that hasn't even been green light, like green lit by the producers yet. So I could do all of this for free, and then you know, the show not even get made, or even if the show gets made, I may not even get on it. So it's like, mm. no, it's it's not worth it for me. Sorry, no. you tarantulas aren't dogs that can be trained to do a trick. Like it was no. kind of hard trying to get him to understand that. Yeah, it's difficult. There was um a creator who is. I think has left the scene now and she was convinced that she had trained her OBT to walk all over her hand. She basically would like let it crawl out of a tiny hole in her hand and like it bit, obviously it bit her in the end, but she was convinced that she had trained it and it was just wild. It made me angry because she's going to hurt herself, which she did. Yeah. But also then putting that stuff out there, it's just annoying. Like, especially with an old world with, you know, it's a venom and whatnot. Yeah. It brings up an interesting topic. Like where, what are your um, parameters? Like, what do you feel like is, is responsible uh, content to create? Like, where, where do you draw the lines? Like, this is something like, I want to make something that's educational, but I also want people to watch it. So, you know, are there any behaviors or uh, topics or anything that you try to avoid so that you don't kind of fall into that sensationalization of tarantulas? So, I've edited videos before that I thought, oh God, like, not that they're boring, just they're not as exciting as they could be. And, and you fall into that trap of thinking like, well, do I, do I give the tranche like a little poke just to get it like wound up? But like, obviously I'll add that out and stuff. And then you, and then you think, you know, that's not really what I want to do or who I want to be and that kind of thing. And I think, I think that's why I fell out of love with YouTube a bit because I, couldn't and it's not to say that every person on YouTube is is sensationalist that's not what I'm saying at all but I found that I couldn't create the content that I wanted to without while still maintaining myself as the keeper I wanted to be I can't yeah. word it properly without making me sound like a like I'm at myself I'm not yeah um, I mean it kind of sounds like you just called me a sensationalist no <laughs> <laughs> I I wanted to do for a while I've wanted to do a YouTube video on how to um pinch grab your tarantula because mm. there is there is benefits to it. You can check its health, you know, you can you can move them, things like that. But I've seen far too many people use that to be like, oh my tarantula's flying or, you know, something dumb like that. And yeah. do I want to contribute to to that? But then also there are a lot of like really useful things that I have. But it's it's just um I think I just get worried there's that I'll be teaching the wrong people things, yeah. you know? I feel you. Like um, feeding videos are, people request those a lot because uh, they're mm -hmm. exciting. Um, and I would look at some of the, of the other YouTubes out there, YouTube channels that 
do a lot of feeding videos and see that they're getting tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, sometimes millions of views on these videos. So, you know, it from a financial uh, kind of perspective, it's like, I should do that just because I need to pay bills. And if that's mm -hmm. what people want to watch, if that's exciting content. And I've probably done half a dozen, maybe, maybe more, maybe like eight or 10 feeding videos, but they never perform as well as the other content I create. So I, I you know, I don't do it very often. For, and I never understood why, but you know, maybe it's just, I think it's because I do it more cinematically. Like, uh, would, you know, Hey, we're going to do a feeding video. Check me out, feeding my tarantulas. And it's just me feeding tarantulas. Like I'm not reacting and, and screaming and whoa, that was crazy. Like, I think maybe that's what people really enjoy and I'm not doing yeah. that. So I don't get as many views as the people that do do that. Um, mm. but that I noticed inadvertently to film it and get them in focus, you know, cause I'm using manual focus and have the lights set up. So it's like, I need the tarantula to do the takedown in a certain area so that it's in focus and, and usable footage. Hmm. So I would use a tong to kind of entice them, you know, have the cricket or the worm or something in that area. Or, you know, sometimes I would just drop it in that area, but a lot of times you drop a cricket, it's going to hit there and then jump. And then that's oh. when the tarantula attacks it. It's completely out of focus or not even mm -hmm. on, in frame. So I was doing a lot of that kind of tongue feeding. And then like, there was just a lot of people who saw that and assumed that's how you feed tarantulas. Like, they're like, do I have to tongue feed them? I'm like, no, you no. definitely not. Like I wouldn't even recommend tongue. Like that's, that would take so long if I had to tongue feed every single tarantula in here. Like I never tongue feed them unless mm -hmm. I'm filming them. And that's the, the express reason. But there yeah. was like a whole um, group of people on I don't know if it was Facebook or Arachnoboard or something, but we're just, you know, just tearing me apart because like, I'm a bad keeper because I tong feed my tarantulas. And it's like, if you think that I spend that much time feeding tarantulas, you, there's something wrong with you. You're not thinking this through very well. Yeah. But yeah, that was one of those instances. Like I wasn't trying to be controversial or put out bad information, but mm. just kind of doing what needed to be done. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know. I, yeah, yeah, no, I get that. And I've done exactly the same thing. But obviously, we know that nine times out of time, we're just throwing crickets into enclosures and then yeah. disappear. But yeah, I get I get why it's done for sure. I mean, like I said, I've done feeding videos that are the same. Um, mm. But I think, like, without trying to sound like um, to, uh, you know, like, I'm not trying to get in your favor or whatever, but like, I think there are, content creators that sit in certain categories and like I think for you in my mind when I think of your content I think of like it feels more educational rather than like shock value but I so if I want to see like a care video I'm going to sh search for tarantula collective rather than other creators that I might search for something else if you get me yeah and I think yeah and I think when you fall into that category like you said your feeding videos don't do as well that's because your followers appreciate what you're putting out that you love doing. Well, thank you. And like the main reason I asked you to come on the podcast was so that you can sit there and say wonderful things about me the entire time. Cool. It's your <laughs> turn now. <laughs> uh, one thing I, I, I brought, I grabbed this while you were talking because you were talking about prod the tarantulas. This uh -huh. is a, uh, I, I don't know this specific name for it. And I can't think of it at the time, but it's like for lin cleaning lenses and sensors on cameras. It's just like it, just oh, yeah. a little bit of air comes out, you know, to like uh, blow off the dust, you know, kind of get it off the, the 
the lens or the, the sensor on the camera. And, you know, so I, I got to clean the cameras before I um, uh, film because, you know, there's substrate down here. Sometimes it gets dusty. So I want to make sure it's, mm-hmm. and it seems anytime I don't do it, then I'll be taking a macro shot and there's just this little speck like right in the middle of the frame oh, no. and it drives me crazy. So yeah. I always do that, but so it's always on hand. And one of the mm-hmm. things, like, I don't want to poke the tarantula and prod it, but if I, I can just give it a gentle squeeze. So this is like just a small little current of air, you know, mm-hmm. just enough to tickle their hairs and, yeah. and they react, they'll move, uh, you, you know, and it doesn't really stress them out as much. So it might be, That's I mean, it's, you should try it out. It's like, I mean, they're only a couple dollars on Amazon. So, you know, you grab one of those and just, you know, don't do it yeah. hard because you, you might freak no. them out, but yeah. <laughs> okay. I'll try it out. Yeah. That yeah. sounds good. And you don't have to worry about them. Like, you know, turn around attacking tongs or a paintbrush or anything like that. You know, it's yeah. a very indirect kind of uh, way to, to motivate them. And it doesn't always work, but you know, sometimes it, it's pretty safe, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and it'll, it'll just give them enough sensory input to where they'll just kind of stand up and slowly crawl a little bit and be like, Oh, yeah. I don't know what that was, but I'm going to take a few steps away from it. I'm going now, but <laughs> I don't like that little breeze on my yeah. butt. But yeah. Aww. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's something that, is frustrating for me sometimes and, and i'm sure you know, yourself and, and other like sometimes i film things uh and and they're they 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 are since you know a tarantula like flipping out for one reason or another you know it's like i could edit this and post it but it's it's like it's gonna it's gonna make tarantulas look scary and dangerous mm-hmm. you know and i don't necessarily want to do that because there's so many people out there that are already doing that and, yeah. and it's a bad look um, so it's like this, um, this constant battle, like, yeah. you know, it's like, I know what, yeah. I would get a lot of views, which, you know, views turns into subscribers and, and views turns into, you know, revenue. So it's, mm-hmm. you know, there's like that temptation to put out that kind of content just for the sake of, you know, money and, and clout, I guess, or growing, yeah. you know, and it's like, sometimes it's hard not to do that. Like, do, you, yeah. do you find that difficult sometimes when you're, you know, wanting to grow your Instagram channel, like avoiding that type of content? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Because you always get, you know, there's <clears throat> there's a few photos of threat poses on my Instagram because they do look impressive. They're amazing. But they, the photos on the, the wall are organic for me. They've happened when they've been annoyed with something, not when I yeah. put them. Um. And I think especially when you get like periods of low engagement as a creator is, you know, people all the time are telling you like, oh, you shouldn't care. It's just social media. But like, I do care. And during periods of, you know, low engagement, you do think, oh, well, what if I just did that? And then I don't. But you do get those thoughts, don't you? Think sort of like, I know what will get engagement up. Yeah. Especially now with like TikTok and Instagram Reels, I get... uh I, I get those feelings a lot, those those conflicts, because uh, you will be, you know, searching a hashtag, you know, be looking at tarantulas, seeing what videos are doing well, performing well, if that's something that I can do my own spin on and, and hopefully, you know, get some good engagement on. And it seems like the top performing videos on those platforms are usually like some college kid that has a tarantula and a critter keeper with like no substrate and is like, you know, mm-hmm. letting it out and it's chasing it around the bedroom or... Yeah. You know what I mean? Or, or they've got like six tarantulas crawling on their arm or, you know, a communal of pokies or something where there's hundreds of them in there and they've got their bare hand and they're moving it around. It's like those are getting hundreds of thousands of views or millions of views, but it's like, that is not something I would ever recommend someone do or, you know, not yeah. something I would want to encourage 
So, no. you know, it's like, I don't want to make that content, but no, it sucks because sometimes it seems like that's the content people want to see. Yeah, it's difficult. It's difficult to be a good conscious keeper when that stuff's around. Like, I know there was um, a creator that I kind of fell out with a couple months ago because he just had like a an adult female C. libidus in a plastic tub, had about this much substrate. So she had nowhere to burrow, nowhere to hide, nothing. And he was just poking it, poking it, poking it. And obviously she was in a massive threat pose. She was slapping because she was scared. And he's going like, wow, look how amazing she is. And I'm like, that animal is terrified right Mm -hmm. now. What are you doing? It makes me so angry. And then someone they'd worked alongside got into a box full of Balfouri. And I just think like, I I just, it makes me angry because I just don't see any value in it. Because what are you doing? What's what's the entertainment here that you might get bitten by an old world? That's that's the shock here. Okay. Yeah. Cool. (laughs) Yeah, I, I, I just posted, I was trying to pull it up real quick while I'm talking to you. And let me see. I, I got some tarantulas in from a uh, a breeder here. And he, when I, I received them, let me see if I can share my screen. Okay. Uh, share screen so people can see it without putting out too much of my personal information. I don't know how to make it any bigger. But yeah, this is... um. This is. Oh, I I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, it says like, uh, Histocrates gigas really mean spider will bite, and yeah. I was like, I thought, I thought he was kind of joking, and you know, when I opened it up, whoops, where'd it go? Why can't I? Sh- I I'm no good at this. <laughs> I remember seeing it was in a massive threat pose. Yeah. Or something like that. Oh, here we go. So yeah, yeah, and and like I didn't do anything do it. I didn't poke it. I didn't prod it. I simply took the lid off the box and grabbed the tongs and went to like move the uh, paper towel and it just exploded out of there. And like that was He's the mad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, the, and like when I tried to get her off that paper towel, she went so far back she just like fell on her back. And was like <laughs> in the enclosure just on her back. And oh I was God. just like, wow, she is you know, I, I didn't do anything to upset her like other than open up the box she was shipped in. You yeah. know, so I posted that you know, but I wouldn't intentionally, um, no. you know, upset a, a tarantula for the purpose of getting a cool photo like that. Yeah. No, I think we're the same in that way, yeah. which is good. Yeah. I mean, it, it just stresses them out and it, it makes them look scary, which, you know, it, it's not always, I mean, they, they do do that, but it's not common behavior. Like, I don't, mm. most, you know, I have a few, a postletheria or nada. She's much more chill now, but a couple of mm. years ago, I would just walk by her enclosure. You know, she'd just be like hanging out on the cork bark. I'd walk by and boom, <laughs> legs would go up in the air, you know? And then if I stopped like, whoa, chill out, then she'd start slapping. And it's like, I, I, I have a bell like that. Yeah. It's wild. <laughs> I haven't even touched your enclosure. <laughs> I'm just existing near you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but she doesn't yeah. do it anymore. I don't have any other tarantulas that really do that right now, except for now I've got this one, <laughs> but I put that gigas in like a corner, like on a shelf in a corner where it's like, you know, nobody's going to yeah. be walking by or bothering you. So, you know, let her calm yeah. down for a while. Yeah. I remember when I got my first Heteroscoda maculata and it was mm. an adult female and she was so mad. Really? Yeah. Really mad. She did come to me in heavy pre-malt. So I think like she was just 
angry and and tired and didn't like the journey but she was in an incredible threat pose Mm. I think there's probably a video of it somewhere but I wanted to get her out of her delivery box and um yeah she I've I've never been bitten by a tarantula but she did try oh wow yeah um so now when I get Aggie tarantulas in a delivery box he'll just open it and then they can do the rest I'll come back in a couple of days (laughs) there you go I've got a couple of HMACs and people are constantly requesting care videos like why don't you make content about them and for a long time it was just because I got them as spiderlings and they're kind of ugly spider layers like this like brownish gray color and a little speckled Mm. they're nothing all that exciting and they're just recently like in the past few months kind of gotten to the size where they're, I mean, they're not full grown, but they definitely have that adult coloration. I mean, they're, Mm -hmm. they're pretty close to, you know, they're probably sub adults and they're beautiful. And I I definitely want to, but they're, they're very reclusive. At least mine are, you know, they like to spend all their time hidden in the bark. I got to come down here at like one, two o'clock in the morning and they'll be on the side of the enclosure or on the cork bark or something like that. But as soon as a light hits them, they bolt and go into hiding. And that's like, it makes it very difficult to film. That's why I haven't like done anything on the OBT either. It's like, mm-hmm. I, they're not, mine aren't like extremely defensive, but it's also because I, I give them plenty of places to hide and I don't mess with them. If I yeah. am pulling them out of that enclosure and they're in a new territory where they don't have somewhere to hide and they're extremely fast, you know, like, it just makes me nervous. Um, I got mm-hmm. lucky. I did one on the, um, oh, what's it called now? Omus, Omothymus violacepes. I think that's yeah. the correct name now. I mean, it, it keeps changing, but the, Singapore blue tarantula had a male and a female recorded a care video on them. And Mm -hmm. generally like for a long time, she was kind of defensive, very quick and she molted. And for whatever reason, just seemed kind of laid back. So I was like, I'll try filming. And I I could just kind of like gently prod her out of her enclosure and she would just freely walk around on the table and didn't do any bolting or running or threat poses. And so like as from a filmmaker or like, I don't want to say filmmaker, but from someone using a camera, that was really good. You know, it was like mm. a very low stress, but it was also kind of disappointing because it's, there's such a, uh, yeah, they've got such a reputation. It was yeah. like, oh, but it would have been cool to get some like cool threat poses or something like that. But mm. She just they wasn't having legs it. as well. Yeah. She was just like, no, I'm cool. I enjoy this. This is fun. It's <laughs> <Just> like, all right. <laughs> I swear as well, they know when you need them to do something and they just decide to just be boring. Yeah. <laughs> That's very no, true. Not today. <laughs> yep. I had some of those like nature documentary things I filmed. Like I set up this entire set and I would put the tarantula on there. It, it, like the Gremistola poker piece one. It was like the most recent one I did. I chose that species just because she was just, just climbing all around her enclosure, you know, and just, she was moving stuff around. She was being very active and staying out. And I was like, well, you, you seem like, you know, it, you would be more receptive to, you know, being filmed and, Pulled her out, set her on there, and then she just wouldn't move. It's like, I'm just going to sit right here motionless. <laughs> like, so oh my it. God. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. No, my, my Afonopelna Samani is like that. They is just couldn't move her. It's yeah. like she's attached to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> so, can we talk a little bit about like your future plans? Like, you know, you, you've got your Instagram growing, you're doing things, um, you're creating content. Like what, mm-hmm. what is your end goal? Like what, what is, where are you heading with this? What are you wanting to do? What, what kind of stuff you got planned for the future? So I want to go into educating kids out of their fear of, of spiders. So I'd really love to do like work in schools and things, 
Um, and it was really cool at the BTS. There was a little girl whose dad came up to me and he was like, she's too shy to ask if she can speak to you. And she watches my YouTube videos and it was so, um, it was just an amazing moment where I was like, wow, like my content's actually impacting people and actually doing what I want it to. Um, so yeah, my long-term goal, like I know I bang on about education a lot, but I want to work particularly with kids so that you don't get as many people growing up with this fear, um, more than that. They just grow up with a respect for these animals. Um, and that, that's what I'd really love to do in the future. Just more education. That's awesome. Yeah. I have not had that experience yet. Um, that I can remember. I was at, uh, NARBC, uh, reptile expo. It was actually the one in St. Louis with tarantula cat. We were walking around and there were a couple of young girls that stopped her or her parents stopped or, or we were just walking by and I saw the little kid be like, Oh, and pointing at her. And I was like, tarantula cat, say hi. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was kind of cool seeing, you know, these young kids that were like really excited to meet her and, um, yeah. you know, just, it, you know, had that like starstruck moment and I was yeah. like, that's sweet. That's cute. That's, that's awesome. I, but I have, I, that doesn't happen to me. It It's always like middle-aged men that are my, you know, like <laughs> they're like late twenties, thirties, forties that are having that starstruck moment. And that's just awkward. It's just like, <laughs> hey, hey, you're a grown man. You fucking snap. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> snap out of it. <laughs> I am just another dude. <laughs> I think, I think as well, like I've had like one or two people, like adults come up to me and I'm like, this is awesome. This is really cool. But like, it was just something different about a kid. I was like, this is so amazing. Yeah. Awesome. It's, it's a cool thing to have impact on young minds just because it's like, you know, that I, I know that a lot of my fear, like, as I started keeping tarantulas because I was like borderline arachnophobic, like I'd had some serious fear of spiders and insects and, and creepy crawlies. And, um, and a lot of that came from how I was raised, you know, I think that like there's this innate memory in our DNA or something that, you know, snakes and spiders and anything that's venomous or, you know, could, could hurt you we're scared of, you know, not even really taught it. It's just, you know, a survival thing that's been passed down since, you know, we were like living in grasslands and mm. evolving from monkeys. Like, I think that there's that kind of innate fear of the unknown uh, when it comes to that stuff. And, and they're just, they're so creepy and they come out at night and, you know, there's just all these uh, things about them that develop this fear when we're young. And I wish that I had somebody in my life when I was at that age that could show the, like, these aren't scary. Uh, you know, cause I do that. Like I have my granddaughter, she's three and you know, most kids her age are like, Ooh, spider gross, you know, mm. scream and run away. And like, she's, she loves them. She calls them piters. Oh, <laughs> just, that's so cute. They pop all piters. And I'm like, yep, that's just, like, it'll just be like a spider, but everything's a spider. Anything, any bug looking, there'll be a stink <laughs> bug. She'll be like, pop all piter. I'm like, it's not a that's spider, so <laughs> you know, or that's just a June beetle or, you know, there's all kinds of <laughs> different insects that everything's a spider so i gotta like we're trying to like figure out the differences of you know what's a bug what's a roach what's a worm Uh, not all spiders but you know it's cool and like i wear shirts of spiders on i've gotten her a couple of shirts of her size that have spiders on them and so it's it's cool especially when other people see it she goes to daycare or something like that and they're like she's just fascinated by spiders and bugs and i'm like that's good to Mm -hmm. hear you know like i'm glad that she's being raised, you know, with that exposure that, that isn't based in fear. It's like you yeah. know, interest and stuff like that. 
I've got a stepdaughter and she's eight. And um, when I first got tarantula, she she wanted like nothing to do with them. And now she loves holding them. She always wants to get them out and stuff. And she did a project in school recently about um, her tarantulas. They're hers now, all of them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so she did a, a presentation on her tarantulas and... Um, and it was it was also well researched as well. Like she'd done like a bit about the molting process and like how they eat and how they move and things. And I was just I was so proud. It was so cool. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. just yeah, it is amazing how much of it is sort of like like you said innate. And once you have exposure to that thing and realize that it's not that scary, it, it sort of just goes away. Because I got into it as well because I was a little bit scared of tarantulas, but they're so cute. Yeah. I've got a stepson and when he and me and his mom started dating, you know, he didn't really know much about me, but you know, then we got engaged and we got married we move in and I bring tarantulas in and he's just kind of like, this is my weird stepdad with his scary tarantulas. Like this guy's insane, you know, and it took a while for him to warm up to the idea, uh, mm-hmm. you know, let alone, you know, get close to them or hold them or anything like that. And he still, he doesn't like have any of his own or take care of them. But when he was in fifth grade, he wanted to do a science fair project on tarantulas and what he and his teacher worked out were um, like how they create their burrows, like the difference between like fossorial, terrestrial and arboreal. Mm -hmm. So part of the presentation, he wanted to have essentially like take a fossorial, a terrestrial and an arboreal species, put them in a similar type of enclosures and then monitor how they kind of build their burrow and then why they would do that based on where they come from in the wild and you know what the what the the purpose is for that and it was kind of I was like that's kind of interesting so we kind of and then we just use like juveniles so they weren't anything that was really big and you know they're all new worlds nothing that would be really venomous because you had to bring them to school and stuff like that so we kind of yeah. set them up in like a basic it, it was kind of like a vertical amac box enclosure filled halfway up so the fossorial mm. would have plenty of room to burrow, but if mm. the arboreal would have plenty of room to web up and then the terrestrial would have plenty of space, you know, but not too much vertical space where if it fell, it would hurt itself or anything yeah. like that. So it was like this a kind of sweet spot uh, and, you know, not ideal for any of them, but also not detrimental. And it was, you know, only yeah. going to be for a few months. And, you know, he was like tracking their progress every day. You get them from school and come check on the enclosures, see what they had done or if they had done nothing at all. Uh, tracking the feeding, the water, and all these different, um, you know, factors. And then for the actual science fair, he had to bring them to school and set them up with like the little display and everything. And mm. so he brought it up and the way they had it set up, it was like, it was two days. So he like, he'd bring them to school, set it up, and then like the school saw them. And then like the next day was a Saturday or, or I don't remember exactly what it was, but like that's when the parents could come in and see it. And that's when they were judged and everything. So it had to stay overnight. So he like shows up the next day. Uh, after they had been there overnight and one of them, I think it was a, a little Caribbean or versicolor spider or juvenile was like stressed out. So like she, you know, because she had like been in this room with like kids running around. So it was loud yeah. and noisy and bright. So, was, you know, she was a little stressed out and just kind of curled up, you know, in that basic stress mm. position. And he thought it was a death curl and like had a breakdown. <laughs> and his teacher called my wife and then called me like, Oh, Ryan thinks we killed his tarantula. He's really upset. Can you come to the school and 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 help out? And I'm like, I'm at work. <laughs> I can't, <laughs> can't go to those. Like trying to ex- get them to explain it to me over the phone. And it was funny because the secretary could see how upset he was and started doing research and actually like found 
some of my video, one of my videos talking about the difference between a death curl, um, you know, preening and just kind of being stressed and was like, mm-hmm. it's not a death curl. Uh, it just seems like a stressed out. I'm like, well, that makes a hundred, that makes a lot of sense. That's totally fine. It'll be fine. Yeah. You know, but yeah, it was, I was like, but after that, I was like, we're not bringing more tarantulas to school. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good project though. It sounds interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was very interesting. It was fun. Like helping them out with that, like researching, you know, in this tarantula's uh, kind of native location, there's a lot of monsoon rains that flood. So it doesn't make sense for it to burrow underground because it would constantly be flooded. And mm. that's why it's more apt to evolve to live in the trees. And and it's the opposite yeah. in where this tarantula is from. It's so hot, they need to burrow down to escape the sun and the heat and get a little humidity. So it was fun kind of teaching them that. But it's kind of like my whole mantra is like, the more we can educate people about these things, the less scared they're going to be of them. For sure, for sure. Because um, before I got into it, I thought like they were aggressive and they were this, that and the other. And like, I, I remember getting my first OBT and I considered actually rehoming it because I was so scared of it. And I realized actually that there's there's a lot of hype around them that just isn't the case. If they're kept correctly, they are like any other tarantula. They just, I think just because they're bright orange, people get all worked up about them. It's so stupid. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's true with a few different species. It's like, I think for a while, we just weren't keeping them correctly. So they were kind of defensive and were quick to throw a threat pose. But I mean, Mm. you can do that. I mean, like like you were talking about the C. lividus. I mean, it's a fissorial tarantula. The ones I've always had, they've been in fissorial setups. I don't see them hardly at all. Like occasionally Mm -hmm. their little front legs will be poking out of their burrow when I feed them. But, you know, they're not, I can't just like look and see the entire body at any time. But I've seen some keepers, especially on YouTube, that keep them with on only a few inches of substrate. So they turn their entire enclosure into a burrow. You know, they web up the entire thing. You take Mm -hmm. the lid off of it. And they have a very defensive reaction, threat pose, slapping and all that. But it's like, mm. you just rip the roof off. Like if they were underground, like they're supposed to be, it'd be like you just ripping the, the top layer of earth and exposing them and that they're going to be defensive. So yeah. you keep them properly. They're not nearly as, as scary as you think they are. hundred percent. And I just think people remember, don't, don't like seem to think that like, these are just little, little animals. They're just little guys and they're just mm. scared. And and they just want to live peaceful, reclusive lives, uh, lives, and and that's what you should give them. And mm-hmm. yeah, you're totally right. When you take the lid off a heavy webbing enclosure, you are ripping half its house out. Cool. And the whole point of webbing is is so that it can sense what's around him. Yeah. Um. So yeah, no, it's yeah. I just think people need to have more exposure to them. They yeah. realize how nice they are. Then I talked about it in a video. It was like, yeah, that's. How would you feel if somebody ripped the roof off your house and started moving your furniture around? Like you would be pretty yeah. upset. <laughs> I think I remember you saying that. And also like maybe it was you or someone else, but ripping the roof off and then just like throwing cheeseburgers <laughs> in. Yeah. yeah, that was you. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. And I've used that analogy a few times. And, and then people are like, oh yeah, actually fair. That would be very chaotic. Yeah, I always get careful <laughs> comments. People are like, I would love it if someone ripped the roof off my house and started throwing cheeseburgers at me. I'm like, yeah, maybe that wasn't the best example, but. You know, you get the point. (laughs) I would be alarmed by it. It isn't a normal thing that happens to me. No. Put some free cheeseburgers (laughs) when you're hungry. It'd be kind of (laughs) cool. Yeah. I wouldn't. Yeah, that would be bad. But yeah, I mean, that's (laughs) because that's essentially what we're doing when we you do. And sometimes you got to do it. You know, you got to rehouse them. You got to maintain their enclosure, but try to avoid doing that. And and that's not even I didn't even come up with that. That was a 
I was, uh, before I got into creating content for a long time, I was studying meditation and, and Buddhism and stuff like that. And that was an example somebody used there. Like, uh, and I don't even remember the context, but it was like, you know, it was talking about, uh, oh, it was, you know, like sometimes the, with the unit, like you go through really hard times in life, uh, but it's really just the universe kind of setting you up for, you know, the next best thing, you know, like whatever you're doing isn't, ideal and, and you got to go through this hard part to appreciate the good things and, and also to build up the strength that you need. And, and that was kind of a, a loosely associated with like, it, it was that concept of, you know, sometimes that, you know, the hand of God, so to speak, will come in and like move you to a new location, you know, or like into relationship and it seems horrible and, and terrible in the moment. You're like, oh, this is so bad. But it's giving you, you know, from that you'll have learned, you'll have experienced, and now you'll be mm-hmm. open to the next uh, relationship or, you know, the next job or, you know, whatever it was. And uh, at mm-hmm. the time uh, when I was, I was teaching, I was talking about, you know, me moving, you know, like I, I, I moved uh, from like my hometown to where I am now. And it was like, it was scary. I ended up and, you know, didn't in friendships, but, you know, you don't see these people on a daily basis and, and you drift apart. I was moving yeah. away from my family and it's like, you know, it was hard, uh, but it was also necessary. It kind of felt like I was, my time there was done. I was getting pulled to this other city and I moved mm-hmm. there. And since then, like it was, it was, a, it was tough. I sold a lot of my stuff. I had to start over, you know, it was, it was not an easy thing to do, but having done that, I have much better opportunities and, and much better relationships and my life mm-hmm. in general has gotten better. So it was kind of like taking that life lesson and, philosophical kind of uh, thing and, and then applying it to tarantulas. It's just like yeah. how I relate to tarantulas a lot. <laughs> yeah. No, I see that. I see that. It's really nice. Yeah. No, I get it. Yeah. So like, oh. uh, it, it, but it, it, it's also extremely egotistical because it's like, I, I'm looking at myself and how I relate to the universe. So the universe, universe reacts to me or interacts with me. And then like, <laughs> but then I imply that to my relationship with tarantulas and they become me and then I become the universe. <laughs> so it's like, I'm God and you are the person who I'm trying to take care of. You something. are the tiny human on my planet. <laughs> yeah. yeah so I gotta be careful because I'll be talking about that and people are just like, wow, you really, you really think a lot about yourself, huh? I'm like, no, 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 not like I that. Was, I think you do have to think about stuff like that though. Like if you go through life not being conscious of how you feel, like you're just going to float around. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's like, a, yeah. Not everything I do for the tarantulas or snakes or whatever, they're, they're not going to like it all, but it's, I'm doing it yeah. in their best interest. You know, I'm not yeah. doing something just to piss them off and, and get them mad and so I can get a cool photo. Like, if I'm yeah. rehousing them, it's because like they don't understand that he's taking me out of somewhere I've lived for the past two years and he put me into something that's even larger and more suited for my needs. They just mm. know that you're destroying my home. You know, you're scared. Yeah. You know, so like I got to be patient with them and understanding, like, I know you don't understand what I'm doing and you're freaked out and you're scared and you're being defensive. I'm not going to take it personally. I'm not going to think that you're just a mean tarantula because yeah. of that. Like, you know, you, we just can't communicate. So you don't know what I'm doing, but you know, I know that I'm, what I'm doing is in your best interest. So I'm, I'm going to, you know, accept the fact that you're being very defensive. And it's kind of like having a kid. Uh, <laughs> you don't know that what I'm doing is in your best interest, but I promise it is. <laughs> I promise. Yeah. <laughs> you I should hear that. how I speak to my tarantulas sometimes. I think yeah. I get locked up. I'm just like, please. 
please, please be nice to me. I'm trying to be nice to you. I'm trying to give you a nice house, please. (laughs) (laughs) And they're just like, no, (laughs) I want to stay in this tiny box. Right, right. (laughs) And I think it does kind of, you know, if you can use that philosophy towards your kids, I think it it can definitely help you be a lot more patient with them, a lot more understanding, you know. Mm -hmm. That's somewhere I I struggle sometimes. I think every parent does like it's it's really hard to remember that they're just little tiny brains that are developing and and stuff and I definitely get like the like the patient side of things is is hard sometimes definitely yeah. but I think that's normal yeah I mean like stepson's uh he's a teenager now so like, there's this like uh he just wants to play video games and, and mm-hmm. trying to like kind of you know first you gotta do chores and then when mm-hmm. you your chores are done, then you earn the privilege of playing video games. And it's mm-hmm. like, it, to him, I'm just being a jerk. You know, it's like, I'm just trying to keep him from doing things that are fun. It's like, trust me, in like 10 yeah. or 20 years, you're going to be living on your own. You're going to really appreciate that you have developed this sense yeah. of responsibility, you know, because if, if you're on the hook for rent and utilities and you're just, you decide playing video games is more fun than going to work. Like, you're not going to have a house for very long. So, yeah. Like I'm trying we, to help you out, man. <laughs> I, I definitely see that. We've just set up our, um, so just set up a first sort of like bank account, but it's like a kid's bank account. So yeah. you put like a certain amount of money in and then they can go on an app and if they like clean their bedroom, it'll release a certain amount of money. So they get like money for chores and things. Nice. Which is pretty cool. We're trying to get her to understand sort of like the value of money and the fact that she has X amount and when it's gone, it's gone. Um, yeah. and she just thinks we're boring and we're trying, <laughs> we're trying to withhold money and we're a horrible parent. Yeah. I understand. I can relate to that. Yeah. yeah. First of all, whatever reason they're like, my kid is not motivated by money, whether that's good or bad, it will be yet to be seen, but it's like, mm. try to, uh, tempt him to do things, you know, chores, you know, walk the dog, stuff like that. You earn X amount of money. He's kind of like, I, I don't care. Like, I don't need money. It's like, yes, you do. If you want to. If you want to buy this new game, I don't need to get that new game then. It's like, oh, geez. Yeah. So, so time, like that, that's, that's his soft spot, you know, like mm-hmm. that's his, where he's mm-hmm. vulnerable. So that's what we uh-huh. <laughs> reward with. Like, well, if you want to have time on the internet, you want screen time, then you got to earn it by doing these chores. And instead of giving you a dollar for doing the chore, I'll give you an hour of screen time. You know, so it's like, that yeah, works. But yeah. But he's also, you know, he's going into, uh, eighth grade soon so girls mm-hmm. are going to be coming on his radar so he, money might become more of a of a something that he wants and be motivated yeah. by so we'll deal with it then but he's extremely responsible for like I, I wish i was that responsible when i was 20 as he is now at 13 <laughs> that's good that's a, that's a nice place to start yeah for any he gets kid. good grades is like he always does his homework before anything it's just get him to walk the dog or take out the trash that's where the issue is but yeah the, yeah. the things that we should do and not them. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, but I think I that's why tarantulas make a great first pet for kids in a lot of yeah. ways. Because they're low maintenance, they're easy, but it teaches that responsibility. You know, like mm-hmm. you got to take care of them, you got to watch them, you got to feed them and stuff like that. But it, if they screw up, they forget to feed them, you know, for a couple of days, it's like, well, that's, they're not going to die. You know, mm-hmm. they'll be fine. Yeah. But it, it's, I found that that's, um, uh, a pretty cool way to kind of teach kids, you know, a little bit of responsibility. Like it'd be a great first pet. Like if they want a snake or they want a gecko or something like that, be like, 
let's take care of a spider first. Yeah. Let's see how you're doing there. And we can work up to a dog. Yeah. I no, I think so too. They're just yeah, like you said, if you miss a feeding day by a few days, it's not the end of the world. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're yeah, very no. forgiving when they, especially if the full grown ones. <laughs> so yeah. I, I advocate that a lot. And most people think and and the problem is I'm not talking to spider people. Like they would be like, Yeah, that makes yeah. total sense. Like you just did. You're talking to like parents at your kid's school. They're like, are you insane? We're not bringing a tarantula into the house. I'm like, no, hear me out. They're like, no, it has eight legs. It's not coming in here. It's like, all right. Okay, fine. Yeah. But I think it's it's really cool. The, just the, I don't want to say explosion, but the tarantula hobby has grown a lot, you know, especially the past five years, it seems. Yeah. Which is, which is really cool. Yeah, definitely. I think like a lot to do with it is the accessibility of content and things. Yeah. But yeah, just it, yeah, it's lovely. It's lovely to see, and like I am part of that boom, mm-hmm. and it's just lovely to be in it. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's people have asked me many times, like uh, almost like with this attitude, like I want to start a YouTube channel, but I feel like it's too late. I'm like, it's it's not too. It's just beginning, man. <laughs> like mm-hmm. for many years, there was like five people on on YouTube that made tarantula content. You know, mm-hmm. only like maybe three of them were actually well received and and consistent. You know, and now. There's a lot more, but it's still, I mean, YouTube is still growing a whole lot every yeah. day, but you know, the niche, like the hobby is still growing. So, I mean, like there's, the sky's the limit. I've seen people yeah. never made content before and like six months ago started a TikTok and now they, they have almost, you know, a million followers. So it's like, yeah, you can, you can do this, you know? And yeah. yeah. I remember I started my Instagram account on the 23rd of March, 2021. And my goal for a year was to hit 5,000 followers. <laughs> and um, and I got to, on my year, I was at like 11,000. And I just remember thinking like why I set this goal. It was like so small for myself. And, um, and I think it is part of that like, oh, well, there's so many people that do it already. But I think if you have some some value to give, like mine is just really passionate about education, you'll fill that that gap. You will find your place in the community. Yeah. For sure. Definitely. Because I mean, I, I put out a lot of I, I like that term you used. What was it? Um edutainment. Ed, edutainment. Yeah. I don't remember how you said it, but like edutainment, yeah. yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, so I feel like that's, that's the kind of stuff I try to put out there, Yeah. but you know, again, that's just my perspective, my opinion, my experience. And that's not going to, you know, that's just a piece of the puzzle. Like for somebody that really wants to learn about something, we need 10 people making a video on the same topic, giving their own take on it and their own experience. And that would benefit everybody. Even me, you know, I'm like, oh, that's, I didn't even think about doing it that way. Or I've never had that experience. Now I know Mm -hmm. what to do if I do. So yeah, I think it, the more people we got creating content out there, the better. Like, especially good educational content that's sharing their experience. And, yeah, you know, because I was agree. in an argument with somebody. They were like, uh, you know, well, Tom Moran already made a video on that. Like, yeah, no one else needs to cover that topic. And it's like, but that's just Tom's opinion. You know what I mean? Like, it's not mm-hmm. an end-all, be-all scenario. Things change. Opinions change. Knowledge changes. We learn more. Um, and my experience might be different than his and might be different than yours and the, mm. the environment that we're in, you know, there's a, all kinds of different factors. So I think, you know, having, it, it, there's nothing wrong with making content on the same topic as somebody else. Yeah, I agree. And like, you know, you, everyone has a creator who they, they feel like they vibe with the most. And I think that's just as important. Me and you could both make something on a 
curly hair and we're going to get two different people that like it just as much. And mm-hmm. I think an important thing in inverts is what inverts to remember is that there is multiple ways of doing the same, the right thing. People don't seem to realize that there is yeah. only one way to keep this spider and yeah. it will die if you don't do this. Yep. So yeah, it's definitely good to get sort of like all rounder. It definitely becomes very um, cultish, almost religious, you know, like this is the way you do it. You got to keep them in sterilized boxes. Any other enclosure is ridiculous and causes more harm than good, you know, or or the vice versa. It's got to be in a completely naturalistic bioactive enclosure and people that keep them in a sterilized container with just cocoa and a hide in a water dish are horrible people that are neglecting their tarantulas. It's like, no, Mm. they're both perfectly acceptable ways to keep a tarantula. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's, it's, I don't know. And people have different ways of communicating, you know, like, uh, I, I have some people that really enjoy my videos because of the effort I put into the filming and editing mm-hmm. and the music and stuff like that. But there's also people that just absolutely, I mean, almost every video I put out, somebody's complaining about the music. Like, I don't like that. I don't like classical music or I don't like metal or I don't like all, you know, whatever the type of, I enjoy all kinds of music. So it's like, I'm listening. I'm like, oh, this would be good for a video. And, and I'll put it in there. And and people are like, oh, I hate this because of the music. It's like, if, if that's, if I, people aren't watching for the music, man. Like, that's just like, kind of like a background yeah, you're not detail. Yeah, in the content. Yeah. I was like, if you don't like it, then watch somebody else's channel because there's a lot of people covering these topics and they're yeah. not using these, this style of music. So, you know, like, yeah. I I did listen to um, Tom Moran's podcast on, it was a while ago now, he did did something on like communicating within the hobby, like how to do it, because people get so angry about the dumbest things. And, and like you said, like getting angry about music, so stupid and stuff. But when you want to genuinely communicate, like care with someone. So say if you see someone keeping um, like a P. muticus on a tiny piece of substrate substrate it's like how to communicate that with yeah. love um and i think like everyone needs to just have a bit of that in them like to remember that like they weren't born with all this information no one is right like we all just need to help each other i agree i think yeah i think the uk scene is quite helpful in that way i, t- I tend to stay off facebook because it's just horrible place to be <laughs> <laughs> it gets more toxic by the day oh it is it's horrible but yeah generally on instagram and stuff people are pretty generally quite helpful yeah i think that was the example i was uh, I, I think it was when i launched the podcast there were some people that were like tom already does a podcast You're like you don't need to do that we don't need another tarantula podcast it's like yeah because he only puts out one a week and you know people like some people listen to podcasts every single day so it's like not only do I think there's space for me to come out with a podcast, I think there's space for like 20 more people to make podcasts about arachnids. Um, but also like I, as a human being, have a capacity to like more than one person. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and, and Tom and I agree on the majority of things, but there are a few aspects that we disagree on, you know? Mm-hmm. And so we like, we have different opinions and, and different ways of going about things. And it's like, neither, I mean, it's just our personal preference. Neither one of us are really right or wrong. Is just how we see the world or how we see the care or, or the information or how to relate to people or communicate or whatever. And so it's like there's there's plenty of room for all different types of tastes and, and opinions, you know? Like you don't have to, it's not yeah. a one and done situation. I mean, one thing that bu- did bum me out about the UK scene is that 
it is it is mainly is mainly men so I was on Instagram and then another creator came along Bethany's spiders and she's really nice girl and she does more she does more YouTube whereas I do more like I focus more on Instagram we do both but she's more YouTube and when she first came to Instagram I had people like in my DMs like oh your competition this and that and the other whereas I was just really happy to have another girl on the scene I was like yay and it's just it's mad how people will just pitch you against other people when you you're not even she's not in competition with me I'm not in competition with her I want to see her do well it's mad it's insane the same on YouTube you see uh well you know it's almost like if I subscribe to this channel, I can't subscribe to that channel. It's like, no, it's free to subscribe to as many channels as you want. And we're not, we're not competitors. Like the only person I'm competing against is myself. Like I want the next video to be better than the last video, you know, Mm -hmm. and and you get, you get caught in that. And I think that's just people's mentality. They see like brands. So they're like, well, Tarantula Collective and Tarantula Cat are like Coke and Pepsi. You know, like they're fighting over a market share or a customer base. And it's like, no, people watch multiple videos from multiple creators. And yeah. the more, the more people we have, the, you know, like a rising tide lifts all ships type of situation. And the yeah. m- you know, more people out there making content, the more people are going to see content, the more people are going to bring into the hobby and into, you know, just having yeah. an interest in this stuff. So I, I think, yeah. I think it's interesting. You talk, cause my perspective is in the UK, you all have a lot more women making content than we do in the US, you know, like, I, yeah, I think that's true. So I, um, like, my perspective is always like UK has got a lot more females in the hobby. And it's like, well, I, I think, you, you know, so it's interesting if you'd be like, Oh, it's dominated by men. I think what I meant by that was more like, I don't want to say bigger accounts. Cause that makes me sound like a bit of an asshole. I just mean like more, visible accounts there are definitely loads and loads of women but i think probably in the uk the two biggest women are me and bethany and then so people automatically assume that we're in competition and we're not i just want to see her do well um yeah it's it's crazy like it's it's been so nice though like to be i mean when i got into the hobby dark then was already on like 400 odd thousand but it's been so nice to see like you and kat come to 100k and see like that milestone and you know it's it's really exciting then to see like i can't wait for mr grendler in the future to get to 100k and it's just nice to see people doing well it is yeah i mean and it really validates what we're doing when you see people doing well you know it's like you, you see exotic slayer you see dark den these like huge channels and it's almost unobtainable. And I think, you know, a lot of the people following them aren't really tarantula. They're, you know, they're, they're people for that just enjoy kind of reality TV type uh, or vlog style stuff. And it's interesting because, you know, they're, they're doing that with tarantulas. I mm-hmm. mean, just read the comments. You see, there's a lot of people in there that don't keep them, have no interest in it, but they enjoy the content. They enjoy their personality and, and seeing somebody, you know, that voyeuristic type of thing. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, so the more people that we can get on that level, I think the better, you know, mm-hmm. from making all types of different content. And for sure, I, I sometimes I don't I don't get frustrated or feel like I'm competing with other tarantula content creators. But there has been a few people um, that kind of I don't want to say like it's kind of like we like started in the same class. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I feel like you're somebody you went to high school with and, and you're hitting all these milestones shoulder to shoulder, you know, it's kind of like going from ninth grade to 10th grade to 11th grade. And then they just shoot off. You know, like it's been a few of them that you know, we started at the same time for a while. We were on the same pace as far as like growing. 
And mm. then because I'm making content about tarantulas and they're making content about reptiles, like they just had a wider fan base that could get plugged into. Mm. And then it went from like, you know, hitting 10,000 about the same time and 50,000 about the same time. And then by the time I got to 70,000, they're at 100,000. And by the time I got to 100,000, they're at 200,000. It's like, mm. I want that exponential. I get jealous of that, but it, that's not their fault, yeah. you know? Yeah, no, I, I understand that. Definitely. <laughs> definitely. I'm yeah. It was it was kind of like that when I hit 10k on Instagram. It's it's a small number, but it meant a lot to me. Definitely. I mean, it's mm. it, it seems like in the in the scope of what other accounts can have with millions of followers on Instagram, it, it is small. But when I look at a realist, like anytime I start feeling, oh man, like you know, because I fall in this like I only have a hundred thousand subscribers. Like that's nothing. Yeah. There's, Brian Barczyk has 3.5 million, you know, like when am I, when is, is that ever going to happen? But then I like take a step back and I'm like, well, how many people live in my town? Like, I don't know everybody that lives in, in this town. There's only 20,000 people here. I have more, I have five times as many followers five on times. YouTube than I do live in my freaking town, you know? And that, that, that kind of like puts it in perspective a little bit. Yeah. And a hundred thousand people, 100,000 times have chosen to hit subscribe on your channel. I think that is awesome. Like that's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the same, you know, you know, it's easy to follow someone, but if you get bored by their content, you'll just unfollow and same with YouTube. So hundred thousand people are around to watch what you're putting out. It's just yeah. Cool. But I mean, even like, I don't know, like 45, 50,000 on Instagram or, I mean, only like, I don't even remember 20,000 maybe on TikTok, if even that, and maybe a lot less. I don't even remember. I haven't looked at it in a while, but, even those numbers, it's like not where I would want it to be, but it's like mm. so much larger. Like my sister also has a TikTok and she has like 15 followers, you know? So it's like compared to her, I'm doing great. But yes, passionate. <laughs> you know, compared to Anne's Canada, I am terrible. <laughs> She's like a million, you know? So it's, it, it doesn't, it doesn't do any good, I guess. Just getting his aunts to follow him. That's what yeah. it is. <laughs> I just think comparing <laughs> social media numbers is, it doesn't do any good, you know, like you're never going to be happy, you know, mm. you know, when I was, I had 10,000, I was like, as soon as I, I'll be happy when I have 25,000. But by the time I got yeah. 20,000, I was like, well, I'll be happy at 50,000. Well, I'll be happy when I hit a hundred thousand. Now it's like, yeah. I'll be happy when I, I hit a million. It's like, I'm never going to be happy if I base it it's off. It's so weird. Like I was just thinking about that the other day. Like I remember thinking like, oh my God, I'm going to hit, when I got so I got to 9,998 or something and I was literally refreshing my Instagram. I was so excited and yeah. I hit 10K and I was like, nice. And then two weeks later, I was like, hmm, now I want 20. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean, it's like, you're, you're, the void's never going to get filled if that's what you base no. your success off of is the number. And I mean, I got that, I got the plaque um, from YouTube. Yeah. So it's like, all right, now I feel like a legitimate YouTuber. And mm -hmm. I don't think there's another one. Maybe there's a half a million, but I think it's a million. I don't remember. But it, at any rate, it's like, it's going to be a long time. So I, can, mm -hmm. I need to just be happy with where I'm at. And, mm -hmm. and I found that it's not the subscriber count or the follower count that makes me feel validated or fulfilled. It's the emails that I get from people that are positive. You know, it's like mm -hmm. people that are saying like, I was scared of tarantulas. I got my first one because of watching you. And now I've, this good thing has happened in my life or something. It's like, well, that's, that's why, like, that's, that's yeah. what the feedback that I want. That's what makes me feel like sure. inspired yeah. to continue doing it. Yeah, I I definitely agree. I love those like DMs, like 
people getting their first tarantulas like when that kid came up to me at the show and was like I watch all your stuff I want to keep animals I was just like oh this is great (laughs) so nice yeah it's it's the engagement you get from it isn't it yeah and I think uh, because I struggle in real life having I don't want to say meaningful relationships but like having casual that's a good one a casual relationship with people I have a hard time maintaining Mm -hmm. those types of with the older I get the, the worse it gets you know it's like but even in high school had a small group of friends and and was yeah. kind of nervous around people and do, making videos or doing podcasts like this is I can control it like I can just hit this button and mute <laughs> myself so you don't so you know I I can do whatever I say whatever I want you know I wish I had a mute button or like a mm-hmm. a way to hide myself when I'm like oh this is uncomfortable or I don't want to deal with this and boom I'm just gone like that doesn't exist in <laughs> yeah, my life in the camera yeah <laughs> like. <laughs> People are like, oh, you're such an extrovert making these videos. I'm like, no, that's a very introverted activity because I am controlling that entire situation. Like I'm yeah. talking for 30 minutes and editing it down to 10 minutes that I want you to see. You yeah. Know? Everything else yeah. I, I cut out, you don't see that. Yeah, honestly, you don't see this 10 times. I'm like, oh, I have to start the sentence again. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So no, yeah. I know what you mean. Because, yeah, people assume like just because you're like a visible personality that you're just super confident and extroverted and I'm just not I just want to I think I am a tarantula sometimes I just want to sit in my house and be quiet yeah I, I relate to them on such a real level it's like that's the kind of life I want just hanging Honestly, out in my yeah throw food at me and leave me alone perfect yeah. and that's pretty much what happened during COVID I stayed inside and so my <laughs> DoorDash brought me on my meals and <laughs> it was great I didn't have perfect. to leave I was so happy <laughs> <laughs> I got to go back and go to reptile expos and stuff like that. Oh, see people. I but I mean, I'm not like a, not a complete <laughs> recluse. My wife says, you always oversell that. And it's like, yeah, I mean, I can talk to people and, and have, I'm a normal mm-hmm. person. I just prefer being down here in the basement and talking yeah. to people like you, like this, you know, if mm-hmm. we were face to face in a room, I would probably be extremely awkward and stuttering a lot and saying stupid things. <laughs> like yeah. getting my mind. Same. I would just be like, oh my God, if there's a moment silence, I will die. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I feel like I'm quite similar in that way. Yeah. Yeah, I don't hate, I don't hate people. I just prefer my own company. Yeah. I think that's how, I mean, a lot of people that keep tarantulas, I think that's how they are. I think most people listen to this are like, yeah, I can totally relate to that. But especially mm-hmm. content creators, I feel like most of us are, are that. Well, not everybody. There's some, you know, definite extroverts that are doing this but i think most of those most extroverts don't make content because they get that fulfillment in real life again real yeah. like talking in, in a room with somebody so mm-hmm. they, they don't they don't need to get a camera and, and post it the yeah. internet to get people to like it but i just think that's an important thing that <laughs> i learned that i i just always want to put out there it's like the number of subscribers you have is not the validation it's the the quality like the, the content you know like what yeah the quality of what you're putting out there is what mm. matters and what makes an impression on people. Like you could do, you know, a feeding video uh, every week and get millions of subscribers, but all you're putting out there is feeding videos and people might enjoy it, uh, but you're not changing anyone's life or perspective on for the most part, maybe accidentally, but you know, you're not educating people or anything like yeah. that. They're not something they're going to carry with them the rest of their life or even for sure. a couple of hours. So I, I really applaud what you're doing and support you 100% and totally encourage anybody listening to go, Follow you on Instagram. It's the spare room. The yeah. underscore spare underscore room underscore. Correct? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's it. <laughs> so follow you on Instagram. You're on Twitter. You're on YouTube. 
Uh, not on Facebook because Facebook is a toxic place. That's what she said. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I have a Facebook page, but I never use it. So there's no point in finding me there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that yeah. is awesome. And, and thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. It's been great talking to you. Is there anything you wanted to mention before we go? No, I just wanted to say thank you for having me on. It's, it's really cool to come on and sort of like represent the UK. Definitely. Um, yeah, but no, thank you so much. Yeah. And, and thank you to everybody on Instagram that reached out and, and commented on that post <laughs> suggesting that you come because I really so enjoy cool. talking to you and you know, they I have to start doing that more often, get some cool guests yeah. that way. So thank you for coming on. It, it's been a pleasure and we'll definitely have to have, have you come on again in the future. I'd love to. That would be awesome. Maybe we get a, a like a roundtable discussion with uh, some UK tarantula keepers. <laughs> yeah, that would be awesome. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, you and Bethany Spiders and Mr. Grendlers and maybe Dave's Little Beasties or something. That'd be fun. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, everybody listening, you know, I have links for all of her uh, social media and the show notes. If you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, if you're on watching this on YouTube, uh, though everything will be down below in the description. So make sure you follow, like, subscribe, all that fun stuff. And if you enjoy these podcasts, please consider uh, rating it, especially on Apple Podcasts. Give it that five-star review because that definitely helps kind of get it pushed out there to the rest of the public. And uh, yeah, thank you everybody for listening and we will see you in the next podcast. Goodbye. We are out. Oh, that was so good. Thank you so much. No problem.